What's happening, weirdos? This is the incredible Robin Tran. She was amazing at New Faces. This is another new face uh, for the Montreal Just for Laughs uh, festival that I was hosting this year. One of the main reasons I love hosting it is just getting to see who the up-and-coming, and often 10 years in up-and-coming, amazing comedians are, and Robin is absolutely one of them, and uh, and you'll be hearing more of them as we go, because as excited as I am about these new talents, I want to share that with you guys uh, so y'all can enjoy as well. If you would like to see me perform, first of all, thanks to everybody who came out on August 19th to the live You Made It Weird. We'll be releasing the audio of that in a couple weeks. September 3rd weekend, I'm going to be at the Brea Improv, and September 9th, I'll be back at Largo doing my stand-up show, which is always incredible. That's Largo-LA.com for tickets. If you like this show and you want to show your support, which so many people do, which means so much to us, try, consider one of the Pete's picks, including the incredible Ultimate Ears Fits Earbud Custom Fit Headphones, which I absolutely love. Obviously, you guys know how essential technology is to my life, to your life, to all of our lives daily. I'm swapping in between iPads to computers to phones, listening to podcasts, making phone calls, all these different things. We rely on so many devices. It's easy to forget about the hardware you're born with. Your ears, your ears, your ears, dummy. (laughs) Same as your fingerprints. No two are exactly alike. That's why your earbuds probably cause you some discomfort or even physical pain after a while. This is this is bound to happen because they're just made for generic ear fit models that you'll never know or meet. They're not made for you. Enter the Ultimate Ears Fits, true wireless custom fit earbuds from Ultimate Ears that are here to change that. I got them. I was excited about the unboxing. You put them in. It's sort of like this clear plastic on the end, the tip, and you put it in and they light up sort of blue uh, and they warm up, which is incredible. What's happening is they're using this uh, proprietary technology that makes them warm and fit custom to your ear. This is a molding experience that makes incredibly comfortable, perfect fitting earbuds. You can actually feel them warming up as the light hardens them into the shape of your ears. Then... I can use them, as you guys know, I'm a huge workout guy now, on the treadmill, on the phone, listening to music, listening to podcasts like this. It is so weird that we spend so much time with these things and we don't really care if they fit perfectly. Well, not anymore. Not anymore. Now we have perfectly fitting earbuds with Ultimate Ears Fits. They're the world's most comfortable earbuds with premium sound and all-day comfort. You get a guaranteed perfect fit in 60 seconds and the fun of doing it. Ultimate Ears Fits will stay put when you're on the go or running or hiking, but they also feel ultra comfortable so you can wear them all day long without any pain or discomfort because they're made for you. Using groundbreaking light form technology, Ultimate Ears Fits mold to the unique contours of your ears. You put them in, connect to the app, and watch the purple-blue light LEDs form the earbuds to your unique shape. With eight hours of continuous playback on a single charge and up to 20 hours with the charging case, Ultimate Ears Fits are the perfect choice for listening to your favorite shows like this one all day long, which is roughly three episodes. Built on, this is a long show, built on industry-leading expertise trusted by pro musicians and hi-fi enthusiasts for over 25 years, used to have to spend thousands of dollars 
Not anymore. You don't have to do a long fitting with an engineer anymore. These are at home engineered to provide a full warm sound with a tight punchy low end and you can set custom EQ presets through the app as well. Play and pause music or answer calls with the built-in controls and use the free app to set custom actions like the voice assistant, volume adjustment or more. If you try Fits and don't love them as much as I do, no worries. They offer a 30-day money-back guarantee plus you'll get free shipping, free returns and a one-year warranty. So, for a limited time, get 15% off your first your first your pair of Ultimate Ears Fits. True wireless earbuds at ue.com slash fits. I actually got one, and then I went back and got Val one. So I can say, use that promo code both times. Use promo code WEIRD at checkout for 15% off with code WEIRD at ue.com slash fits. Get into it. Second Pete's pick is Made In. Made In is making some of the best pots pans, knives, even wine glasses that I've ever encountered in my life and is upping my kitchen game and my food game in a huge way. People are getting more into farmer's markets. They're getting more into cooking. I see a lot of people baking their own bread. But what we're not doing, and to our detriment, is getting serious about our equipment. I mean, how does your favorite restaurant consistently make such delicious food? The short answer, they have access to the right kitchen tools. And with Made In's professional quality cookware and kitchenware, anywhere is capable of making restaurant quality food at home. If you're serious about cooking, you should invest in good quality, wonderful quality kitchen tools. And Made In's cookware and kitchenware products are used by thousands of the world's best chefs. I started with their uh, non-stick frying pan. I love it. I love the size. I love the weight. I love the balance of it. I love how easy it is to clean. And most of all, I love the non-stick formula. It's not nasty chemicals leaking into my food. It is non-stick in a safe and wonderful way. And I'm flipping all sorts of omelets for Leela in the morning. Three egg. You think I can't flip a three? I'll flip a four egg with my maiden. And it goes easily from the stove directly into the oven. And as I already mentioned, so easy to clean. Turns out it's nonstick when you're cooking and it's nonstick when you're cleaning as well. Made In produces professional quality cookware and knives for those who love to cook. They source the finest materials and partner with renowned craftsmen to make premium kitchen tools available directly to you without the markup. Made In products are are made to last and offer a lifetime guarantee. Their cookware distributes heat evenly. The blades stay sharp. They're fully forged and perfectly balanced. They have 32,000 and counting five-star reviews, and their products are used by some of the best chefs at Michelin star restaurants around the world. Made in better cookware for better meals. And right now, Made in is offering our weirdos, our weirdos, 15% off your first order with promo code WEIRD. This is the best discount available anywhere online for Made in products. So go to madeincookware.com slash weird and use promo code WEIRD for 15% off your first order and show your support of the show. That's madeincookware.com slash weird. Use promo code WEIRD at checkout. Show your support and up your kitchen game and get some better food in your belly, in your belly area. Last but not least, I am feeling smooth thanks to our friends at Harry's. Harry's is offering the best shaving experience that I can find. Not only is it so easy and wonderful, it ships directly to you. You shouldn't have to choose, uh, uh, Harry's believes, you shouldn't have to choose between a great shave and a great price. I would agree. And now that you can actually enjoy being outside this summer, a clean shaven look is sounding even more appealing. And that's where our friends at Harry's 
come in. I love the sharp, sharp, sharp German engineered blades. I love the comfortable glide, the balance of the blade in general. You can redeem a Harry's trial set right now when you go to harrys.com slash weird. They deliver a close, comfortable shave at a fair price, still as low as $2 a blade, and Harry's blades are designed to stay sharp. In a recent study, guys who shave four times a week said their eighth shave was as smooth as their first. No gimmicky features. The Harry's team combined a weighted ergonomic handle with their signature German-engineered blade cartridge for a smart, simple razor designed to deliver a close shave along all the contours of your face. Harry's blades are crafted in their very own German factory. They love them so much they bought the factory and went into business with these people that have been doing it for generations, controlling the means of production and focusing on the most important razors uh, razor features allows Harry's to set reasonable prices as low as two bucks per blade refill. And Harry's stands by the quality of their blades so much they offer a hundred percent money back guarantee on Harry's.com. So up your shaving game, stop overpaying, and get shaved. Get shaved. I'm making up my own slogans. Get shaved. Harry's is giving their best offer to weirdos right now. Harry's, a new Harry's customer can redeem a starter set. You get a five-blade razor with the weighted handle, foaming shave gel with aloe, and a travel cover to protect your blades when you're on the go. That's a $13 value, wait for it, for just $3. There's never been a better time to try Harry's, so go to harrys.com slash weird to try Harry's today and show your support of this podcast. That's harrys.com slash weird and uh, get your uh, starter set and get shaved. <laughs> good. That was good. That was very good. All right, everybody. Hope to see you at the Brea Improv on September 3rd for the weekend with Laura Bites and at September 9th at Living at Largo here in Los Angeles. In the meantime, in the meantime, enjoy the wonderful Robin Tran. Get into it. So nice to see you. So nice to see you, too. How do this you is feel? so comfortable. I was going to say, I'm sorry it's so dumpy. <laughs> it's really dumpy no, it's... back here. No, it's great. It makes me feel more comfortable. Like I does can, it? Yeah, like I can also be a slob. No instant offense. friend, <laughs> instant friend. That's what the space is saying. Yeah, it's like don't worry. I like my place to have a little bit of like mess. You know, me too. Because it feels like you know when it, everything's so clean, it's like you have like furniture with the plastic wrapped on it. Yes. And you're like I can't, you know, I can't do anything. I don't like houses that look like no one's ever farted in them. <laughs> right. Like I don't need it. Certainly, I'm not like oh, I want to smell everyone's farts. That's I right. just mean like I want to know. I've actually been farting nonstop since I got here. <laughs> I hope that I hope you don't mind. Little crop dust. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I noticed actually. Is that weird? <laughs> but there are friends of mine that like. They're already into antiques and stuff and, like, fancy things. And I'm just like, it just looks like if I had to shit, not only could I not. Can you close the door just because of the dog? He's been going nuts. Oh, no. If I had to take it down, but I'd have to drive five miles away from this house. That, that was the end of that <laughs> glorious riff. So, anyway, let's just, let's just, for, this is the pod. We're just going to roll, if that's okay. Sure, yeah. We met at JFL. Yep. You got new faces. I did. I assume that means you've been doing it for about 10 years. 10 years, yeah. Actually, yeah. I think it's been like nine years. Yeah. There it is. That's yeah. Right. Wow, it has been 10 years. Yeah. 
You're a prodigy, not a prodigy, but you're way ahead of the curve. One person on your showcase had been doing it six years, I think. Oh, wow. And then everyone else was 10. And that was my uh, class, too. Wow. And which is just funny that I think that really does tell you something. Yeah. You're like ready to be a new face yeah. in the industry. Yeah. After 10 years. I was a new face when I came out as transgender in 2015. What do you mean? Because I started comedy as Robert. Like 2012. Wait, so did Robert do new faces? No, no, Robin did. I mean, Robert, 2012 is when I started stand-up comedy as Robert. And then three years later, I came out as Robin. That's I had a to new re- face. I had, so this is a new face. I'm not following the rip. Yeah. I'm like, you did it <laughs> twice and they didn't acknowledge your yeah, previous right. identity? I know. That is insane. Yeah. That is hilarious. And I'm going to try and do better on the riffs. No, okay. It's okay. <laughs> this is the first time on a podcast where I haven't done the joke, which is... Uh, being transgender is really bad for audio. I've, I've done that joke you have to do that 50 joke. times. You have to keep doing it. People will get confused. They're like, oh, I'm trying to be. I remember one time I was in an open mic and someone brought uh, his daughter. And her uh, his daughter looked at me and said, Dad, that girl sounds like a boy. And I'm like, oh, she got it right. <laughs> That's completely the best compliment. <laughs> Wait, you're right. She sounds like a boy. Nailed it. Yeah. A plus. <laughs> yeah, she was like four years old. Although still kind of rude. Yeah, very rude. But I mean, for a four year old, <laughs> that's like an A plus. You okay, know? Yeah. For a, I, I grade on a curve yeah, for everybody. Graded on the child curve. Yeah. That girl sounds. That girl sounds like a boy. Is fucking fantastic. <laughs> so you you did you started comedy in 2012. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I did my high school talent show in 2004. OMG, tell this story. You told me the story at Largo, and I, 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 oh. I'm obsessed with this story. Okay. Can I just say? Please. When, <laughs> when we were walking in the door, I was like, there are so many things you said at Largo that I was like, <laughs> how do I get her to say it again? And you're already doing it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm super excited. I but love, anything you remember, please. I, well, just I say love it. I'm like Al Bundy with the four touchdowns in a single game. Like I just always tell the same stories. Please over do. Over. This is well, your this is your safest space. I, I always wanted to do stand up. My dad like did comedy. I don't know if it was stand up, but he did like comedy on the radio and weddings and stuff, you know. And so I always wanted to do it. And then in two thousand four, my friends like Forgive me if this is a dumb dumb question. In the States? I think yeah. I, I'm not I'm he did like Are they first generation? Yeah, I don't by the way, I don't know what first generation and second generation means. Like it I've never I've never they... I've never asked anyone. This is you're the first like I've this I've never been put on the spot. We're learning together. <laughs> I'm uh, my mother's first generation Lithuanian, which means she was born in Lithuania. Yeah, okay. Then were... she moved to the United States, so she's the first generation in the United States, I think is how it goes. Yeah. That's how I remember my, it. My parents, you know, were from Vietnam and then they came here. I was born here, so I was the first person born in america in my family i still think you're second generation i think that's second generation but so does that mean that your father was doing vietnamese radio comedy yeah because it's very interesting yeah he he, um that's like good morning vietnam i'm not trying to be funny (laughs) no that was about radio comedy in vietnam well he did it in the states we live in garden grove uh, in orange county in california which is like the second biggest uh, population of Vietnamese people in the entire world, sure. besides Vietnam. Wow. So my dad would, you know, he would do um, comedy it, on the radio. Whenever there was a wedding, he would sing, song, he would make up songs. So I think just seeing my dad perform like that, like made me want to do it. You know, so in 2004, of course, my friends were like, "Come on, you got to do stand up." So I did my audition. My this audition is high school. Yeah, in high school. My in my senior year of high school, I did an audition for. Uh, seven students from ASB, you know, the Associated Student Body. I knew all these classmates of mine. 
I bombed my audition so badly that ev- after every joke, I, I would apologize, and then I would start crying, right? No. This was my audition. And then there was a band behind me that, you know, they were going to audition next. So after every joke, he would do the, after it bombed. He did not. Yeah. <laughs> I still consider that a slur to our community. It is. I had to explain that to somebody. I was like, I know you think you're being yeah. funny, but yeah. that really hurts my feelings. I, I was and tra- someone was really doing it. Yeah, I was traumatized by it. Of and course then, you were. Yeah, so I said, I'm never doing stand-up again. That's Just what at I the said. audition was the trauma. You yeah, never, okay. the audition was the trauma. And then somebody tells me, we didn't get enough auditions, so you're in. That's what he said. Like I just this made is, it. this is a living American nightmare. <laughs> and then so like my second set, your dad's in the corner going, "Welcome to showbiz, baby." <laughs> He's smoking a cigarette. Yeah, that would require my dad to show an interest in my life. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you felt me poking around. It's like, what's going on with that dad? Come on, Robin. Yeah. So it was like. I think I did like a second kind of like practice audition. And so one of my friends gave me advice. She said, you, well, you're in drama class, right? So act like you're a confident person. Just Brilliant. pretend you are. Brilliant. Do you it, know the Houdini line? What, what's the Houdini line? Houdini says, I'm an actor pretending to be a magician. Wow. That's that. Yeah. That, that's Isn't how that great. So I just like deluded myself to being confident. You pretend. We're pretending. Right. It's so, a fake. So I think <laughs> the, the week of the talent show, I would walk around the campus Walk up to random groups, and I would just start talking. And if they laughed at something, I would write it down. And I just was like, just be confident. So it's, That's like Dave Chappelle. He'd do uh, stand-up in the park. He'd do like... Oh, I, yeah. I think it was a little bit different, but you were like testing it on anybody on who anybody. would listen. Yeah, and I didn't have any material. I would just talk. You know, just whatever came to mind. And then so it was a day of the talent show. This is the most nervous I've ever been. It was like 300 students and adults, faculty, whatever. I hate this story, but and I then, also love it. And then I... <laughs> I guess, like, I did jokes about the school. I did, like, a, a terrible Mitch Hedberg impression. You know, like, kind of just... At least oh, you yeah. knew you were. A lot of people did that. Yeah. And didn't say, I'm doing an impression. I'm at, I'm at Bosa Grande High School. Like, I just, <laughs> just, like wow. I, just, I just did that voice. I still remember going to an open mic, and there was a guy who went up and was basically doing Mitch Hedberg. Not only that, I remember one of his jokes. Here what it was it? I dated a woman who had no thumbs. That's exactly how he said it. I didn't know she had no thumbs until we went hitchhiking. That bitch went nowhere. It's not terrible. You're laughing. Okay, pretty good You're joke. laughing. I like it. Except I don't think Mitch would ever say I dated a woman with no thumbs. Like, it's yeah. just a little too weird. Like, the setup is like, wait, what? Yeah. that was actually, And you didn't know? That's so weird. That was actually my opener at what? the talent show. What I was, was like, I dated a woman with no... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that was actually me that you saw a few years ago. Oh, my God. I can't believe I was Robert. No, I'm I kidding. didn't recognize you. <laughs> See, it's a compliment. I didn't insult, but I didn't. Yeah, a compliment. Yes, I did. So I did the talent show. I, um, I talked about like my mental health issues and all that stuff. Like I was actually kind of like for a, a high schooler, it was pretty edgy, you know. Yeah, I got a standing ovation. It was my first. It was my one. Wait, it went o- well. It, it went. It went so well that. Where were you in the show? Um, I, need four, to know. I was fourth. Okay, and what it, were you following? I think a, a, a singer. Okay, this is good. Yeah. Somebody's already used a microphone with yes. their voice. Yep. And and it's probably getting kind of dull, like she yeah. just sang Let It Go from Frozen <laughs> right, or whatever. Yeah. And here comes Robert. Yeah, Robert. And it's yep. a good time to be funny. Yes. And what was your opener? Do you remember? I need to know. Okay. Because I'm, uh, I'm still see. nervous for you. No, it so already the, happened. My, my opener was like, um, you know, I, I've, I've suffered from depression my whole life, and I went to therapy, but I went to, new th- I went to free therapy 
So they give you these uh, sheets you have to fill out. And it starts off normal, but it gets weird over time. It's like, you know, do you have a lot of friends and family? Yes. Do you uh, suffer from depression? Yes. Do you like fire? And I'd be like, what? Like, what? And it's like, do you... Uh, you have a lot of friends or acquaintances? Yes. It's like, are any of them not really there? And I'm like, what is this free this therapy? This is good. So this is this my is opening good. joke. The crowd is going crazy. And I forget. Great instincts for a first <laughs> The first time, I am just really want to sur- highlight how good that is for first time stand-up. Yeah. I would write down like lines to hecklers and I'd, it's stupid shit. Yeah. Like nothing even close to something I would laugh oh, thanks. at now. So that's great. Actually, my opening joke, uh, they told me I couldn't say. What was that? It was a dumb joke. It was about how, like, I. It was like, um, uh, oh, we say that we're not in Iraq, um, for the oil, but you turn on the news and there's more rigs than an ASB election, like at my school. Wow. And the principal was like, you can't, you can't. They don't care about the Iraq oil joke. They don't want to think. They don't want to think that the elections are rigged. Are rigged. And so I was I, that I, like word on the street. <laughs> yeah, it was word on the street that it was all like nepotism and stuff. So you know, they so they so they censored me, and I was like, I've, I'm I'm a victim of cancel culture back in wow, 2004. You were canceled. I was canceled by the principal. By the of principal. Your high he was like, that's too hot. It's too hot to handle. It's too hot. Yeah. Wow. Um, but yeah, I remember I did. Um, God, I forget a lot of my jokes. I think um, one of my jokes was one of the judges was the, one of my teachers. And I said something about like wanting to go on a date with her. You know, like you make jokes about that. Sure. And she yelled, um, I'm 26. And I said, you know, you know, she's been 26 for 20 years now. I think I said that. Oh, <laughs> got a, got my God. And um, you also started to say it went so well that it went so well. I, I mean, I, I it went so well. You know the standing ovation. I did not see coming. Yeah. Like they, they, like I, they went so crazy for me that between every uh, <laughs> She's performance, twenty six, twenty years now. I'm You're very calling funny. Forty six. I'm calling her. Yeah, I love it. And I knew she was going to yell that too, so I just had it planned because I knew oh I, I knew her. God. She was my favorite teacher. Yeah, you were rigging the show. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is like an election. You should have just done the joke anyway. I know, right? Mike I know. And they get suspended from high school. Yeah. Be a legend, <laughs> of course. But yeah, after bef- between every performance, they started chanting my name, Robert. Rob. They wanted me to come back out there. I didn't have any jokes left. You know, this is what. I, I, so I'm in the fetal position backstage in a corner, hoping no one can find me. And then so like my vice principal finds me and goes, "Hey, Robert, they they're calling your name." And I'm like, "Don't tell them I have no more jokes." Like I'm crying, Whoa. and like they they need me to come and kind of save the show a little bit because it's kind of getting dull. So they they made me go back out there. I came back out there this and I got all I got all emotional. I did one joke about Dare. It got a laugh, and then you know, thank God, they, you know, the band was ready, and so they got. Anyway, I won first place. I won. That was my first time getting paid for comedy. Got a seventy five dollar gift card, and you know, to the mall, and I bought WrestleMania twenty on DVD. Like that's the first <laughs> thing I bought. I remember, I'm like, I want to do this forever. If I can just keep buying wrestling DVDs with comedy money, yeah. And You're then, really in show business now. Yeah, and then uh, I just got scared of doing it again for eight years. But of course you would be. I've talked to comedians that had been doing it for 20 years and they'd tell a horror story and they'd be like, I think they were, I forget, for some reason I feel like it was David Letterman. It might be David Letterman's story. It is David Letterman's story. So he was an old hat at it, not yeah. a high school person doing stand-up for the first time. And his horror story was he went out, did all his material at the 8 o'clock show, went backstage and was like, Wow, I didn't know I had 40 minutes, but I just did 40 minutes. And then they were like, well, there's the 9.30. And they were like, 
By the way, it's mostly the same crowd. Oh, no. What I'm saying is what you got (laughs) the first time being dragged out. I remember yeah. the first time, one of the first times I did set list, you know, the show where you improvise. Right, yeah. I went out and I, I had a really great set and they were like, bring him out again. <laughs> I was like, no, the prize <laughs> right. is being done. Yeah, I we know. We want to be done. <laughs> yeah. Because we're pretending yeah. to like it. Be, be, we do like it, but we want to get out of it. Also, there. like, they think I was so good at it, they thought I came up with it on the spot. Like, you of know, course. this is. Before WTF and all these yeah, podcasts, nobody knows. No one knew how it works, you know. Yes, I mean, yeah, I was a genius, but not as big of a genius. <laughs> Any chance I get to call myself a genius is so it's such an obnoxious thing to do, and it's I love wonderful. It. It's great. Yeah, that's perfect. So, what was going on with your dad? You're doing stand up. Did did he think it was cool? Yeah. So my dad, like, I think my dad thought it was cool, but you know, my parents were like. Um, they were just worried about money. Like, you know, you're not going to make any money doing this. It's almost like. I think my dad was simultaneously like proud of me, but also felt guilty that he might have influenced me to do this thing that won't get um, get me paid. I see. So there was a kind of like so like my dad would always like talk about like you can always quit comedy whenever. But every now and then I would play like um, my sets in my room and uh, my dad can't speak English, but he would hear the sounds of like me talking to audience laughing. He would come, hey, turn it up. I want to hear. I just want to hear the sound of you. And like, but he would never say he's proud of me. He would never say he would never, never actually say it. He would tell other people in my family that he's proud of me, so that they can tell me. It's like, Dad, just say, just say you love me. It, you would feel so much better. Yeah. That's what the joke I always do is like, I feel bad for him that he can't say it. I don't care anymore. I don't need his approval. I've moved on, you know. Right. But I just feel bad for him because I think we could have been really good friends. He's he's not a great father, but he was a the funniest person I knew for a long time. And I'm not, and I actually started realizing this about like maybe two weeks ago when I started really reflecting after JFL, like, you know, where do I get this from? Like, you know, and cause like, I don't talk to my dad really anymore. We just don't really have a relationship. And then I realized, oh my God, I'm a troll because of my dad. I'm, you know, I got into this because of my dad. Like my dad would do very funny things. Like we'd be a temple, you know, Buddhist temple. And then the, you know, the guy would read this, you know, um, out of the book and, you know, we would do these prayers and everything. And it was pretty boring sometimes. And, you know, no one could say anything. So my dad would pretend he's nodding off and falling asleep in temple. He would elbow people and go, hey, look, watch this. And he would mimic like someone falling asleep. So we're all giggling in temple. <laughs> and my mom, my mom is trying to tell my dad to stop being a bad influence on me, but she's too busy laughing. So she, you know, she's laughing almost like against her own will. I love it. And I thought that was the funniest thing is that my even my mom can't deny how funny this man is, you know. Yes. So I got it from from this guy I don't even like. Like my, I I hate everything about my dad except for uh, the thing that I'm best at doing. The the one thing that he taught me was what what I'm doing with my. But also, isn't when isn't when he's being funny and like playing sleepy time yeah isn't that sort of like a glimpse that probably is true as self yes wouldn't you say yeah he was just i think if he had it his way he would just be like a comedian he would be a clown right um i you know when i was a kid like he would be uh he had a refrigeration shop and he you know it would be slow and he would just like dial random people and he would hold his nose and talk he's like hello and i and i didn't know he was doing prank calls just for fun my dad was like total clown he was the clown of the whole family Everyone knew him as as the clown of the family, and for the longest time, he was. Um, they treated him like he was like the the black sheep of the family. And I think about three years ago, one of my aunts got into a really bad depressive spell. Like it runs in my family. 
She couldn't get out of bed. She couldn't do anything. She couldn't like move. She couldn't. So they actually flew my dad from California to Florida to just come and make her laugh for the weekend. Oh my god! So they come, you know, they just like we got to pull the emergency lever, <laughs> you know, got to bring wow. bring this guy, and so he makes her laugh all weekend, and she like got out of bed, like she got. He's the only wow. one. So I think. After that happened, my family like values laughter more than they of ever course, have. of course. So now they're like they're proud of me now. But it took a long, it took like a decade for them to be proud of me. Wow. Yeah. Hey Tony, note the time real quick. Uh, just watch hitting this, Robin. Just oh, I'm so sorry. Up on the mic. I just don't want people to not oh, listen no. to this great episode. Did, did I did I hit it a lot? Not at all. I think okay. if we Hassan Minaj, by the way, yeah, kept hitting the table, and I had to do the <laughs> same thing. I was like, dude, on a show, yeah. for some reason, it's not bothering me at all because yeah. I can see it. Yeah, but on a sh- audio show, I just don't want anyone to go like, yeah, sorry, I was picturing my dad's face and just hitting the pillow. <laughs> well, now we can't edit this out. <laughs> Let's not edit it out. Let's you can leave it in. I, I don't think if you listen to the, I think it's Hassan, Hassan Minaj. Uh, I was. If you want to first hear me call him Hassan, and to uh, not tell him stop hitting the table, uh, you can listen to him hit the table for two hours. So anyway, here we are. You were picturing your dad's face, but also like I just relate so hard. I feel like dads get like cocooned in so many identities, so many things they think they're supposed to be. Yeah. So many things they think they're supposed to model for you. Yeah. Then they have all these expectations and all these whatevers, and then when they're funny. You're like, ha ha, I yeah. see you, bitch. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, yeah. I see my, when my dad would be funny in church, he sang so loudly and so wrong. Yeah. And it was so funny. And I th- I swear I have like the exact same memory that my mom wanted him to stop, but also. Oh, was wow. Yeah. There's something about like someone who is trying not to laugh at how funny you are. It's the only funny. The I, church I, it, and temple has got to be the funniest yeah. place on earth. I just love, that's like my favorite. It's my favorite reaction in a, a comedy show is people who kind of hate themselves for laughing at me. You know, every now and then I'll get like a, a, a like a DM from a stranger who's like a, a right wing Trump support, whatever. And they're like, look, don't tell anyone, but I'm a fan of your comedy. And it's like they have to like. Wow. keep it. Cl- so like I'm like the uh, the lefty or whatever version of like how like. Hey, you know, I, I listen to problematic stuff. Like this person has to hide. Right. I listen to someone who like doesn't like cops, but like you know, don't don't tell anyone. That's <laughs> like, right, isn't it and funny? I just, and I just love how this guy like he hates himself for thinking I'm funny. That's the biggest compliment. Did you me. write back? I secretly uh, listen to Ben Shapiro <laughs> no, constantly. Just, just I can't I, get enough. I, I don't. I don't uh, ever message them back. That's probably I, best. I, I, I like I like them from afar. Yeah. You know, don't um, engage. Yeah, don't engage because yeah. that might be like uh, a vulnerable thing, and it's just like it just yeah. was, was what it was. Yeah, and I'm laughing at him, like to myself, <laughs> like ha ha, I'm so funny that you can't ignore me. So you did you identify as a troll? Yeah, I think it's so. funny because since I've started following you on Instagram, I'm like I am a Robin comp- B. I am, I am a I am a tr- that I got it from my dad I, again. I also got it from Opie. And <laughs> you're Opie holding and your nose yeah, when you do it. Yeah, I know. Joe Rogan, was... like you're always making fun of Joe. <laughs> I, am, I only do. I make fun of Joe Rogan so much. I I was gonna stop, and then people kept getting mad at me. I'm like, well, you know, for stopping. No, people were gonna get like they were getting oh. mad at me for making fun of him. Oh, for doing it. And then so like I said, okay, every time someone tells me to not make fun of Joe Rogan, you tack on three renew more it. days. Yeah, you yeah, I renew it for three more days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think I got it from my dad and from Opie and Anthony. I was a big Opie and Anthony fan. I was a big. Eminem fan in the early 2000s I just kind of got what he was doing yeah like he would make fun of you know the gay groups and then uh, two seconds later he would make fun of Christians and then 
there was something so funny to me of watching gay people and Christians both protest them, and I'm like, you guys hate each other. That's right. And then he was just like, and I just thought it was like such a, I didn't like a lot of what he said, but I it, it just kind of fascinated me that you can you I'm can, the same way you can make so many people mad at you that all, they all hate each other, but right. they all, they're all unified into hating you. I think that's the funniest thing in the world, right? And so Opie and Anthony, you know, extended that, and then of course, like, um, you know, when they're trolling, turned into like real life. Like okay, this is not trolling anymore. This is now getting political. Yeah, I don't think that's funny anymore. I like trolling like where you're not actually damaging society. It's just kind of like a you're laughing at people and right. making it light. You know what right. I mean? Right, right. I see. Like roasting. Yeah, I'm a big fan of roasting, and right. you know, I do roast battle. And see, I thought when we were talking about that, I was like, it's really something. I don't know. I guess it's unexpected to have a transgendered comedian be yes. like. Go ahead. Yeah. Like, that seems pretty bold. So what happened was, you know, I I came out in 2015. I didn't know how to navigate it. I, You know, I still hadn't been treated for my bipolar yet, which I didn't know about. Yeah, we have to get into that. Yeah. I'm so happy for where you are now. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely want to get into that, too. But, yeah, so I was, I kind of, like, got, um, you know, you got to associate with people that you usually don't associate with. So I got associated with, like, you know... um, the trans community, you know, uh, I, I wrote for Everyday Feminism for a while, like a feminist blog, and I liked it, but it just it didn't feel like me, and I felt like I was so afraid of people making fun of me that I kind of needed to like kind of hide, you know, in, in a group. Mm. Um, but I started feeling like people were like infantilizing me and kind of like treating me like I was a you know a child and stuff. I know what you mean, <clears throat> and it's, it's almost like reverse. It's, yeah, it's there's so much good intent. Yes, but it starts going into like. Someone will quickly just be like, "You're gorgeous, you're yeah. so beautiful. Come in here, darling." Yeah. And it's like, the, why, "Why would you treat anyone you just met yeah. with that? You're the dental assistant." Yeah, so right. you know yeah. I mean? they, they treat me like, "Hi, I'm so sorry that you know you." I'm like, "Your your sec, your first thing you said to me is I'm sorry." Right. You know, it's like that's right. everyone just feeling sorry for me. So I always I always loved I always <laughs> loved funny. roasting. Yes. So I remember well, you wanted what I want, which is like fierce honesty. Yes. So I guess it's absurd for me to be like. I think it's valid that I'm like, look, there's going to be a lot of jokes made, and, and, and that could be hard. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And yet, of course, you're just like me and yeah. drawn to the same thing, which is like, can we really just exercise the demons? Yeah. So uh, let's, but, let's say every fucked up thing we could possibly I, say, and then it's, that, o- it's okay somehow. I, yeah. That, that was a thought I had, but I had to experience the infantilization for a few months first before mm. I realized I don't like this. But- so I was always a fan of roasting. Like when I, I remember when I was like seven or eight, there was a Comedy Central was doing Night of a Thousand Bleeps, and it was South Park followed by the roast of Drew Carey, mm-hmm. and I'd never seen a roast before. But when I saw it, I it was the hardest I ever laughed in my entire <laughs> life. Like I remember, like that Drew Carey roast, like killed me. And I'm like, I want to roast. I want to be on a roast day as a, as one day. That's like kind of my dream. Before I wanted to do stand up, I wanted to do a roast. Wow. So anyway, they were doing a roast battle. And so someone brings me to the comedy store and I see Roast Battle and I'm like, I want in and I just want to do it. I just want to do one thing for myself. I'm so sick of. And so when I started, when I signed up for Roast Battle, I was so scared. I was like, what if jokes hurt my feelings? What if my own community is going to think I'm a traitor? You know, like they're going to think, oh, why would you as a trans person put yourself as a target to. Well, that's really interesting because then you're the green light. Like I, I, we talked about this, um, I've talked about this with little people on the show. I've talked about this with all sorts of different minorities. And it's like, do you ever struggle with the fact that 
you're doing the jokes that white people yes. would do about black people, but you're saying them so it's okay. And now white people are, are just laughing at some really racist shit, right. but it's okay because you said it. So you don't want, am I putting words in your mouth? You don't, no, that's or exactly, your community that doesn't a, want you to be a green light. I, and and I, I also was like, am I a traitor to my own race? You know, like my race, transgender is a race now. <laughs> no, I thought you meant I, Vietnamese because you know you're going to get some Vietnamese jokes I, too. Yeah, I didn't get very many Vietnamese jokes for a while. I, people forgot I was Asian. That's like, funny. Was, you see yeah. the hierarchy. Yeah, the hierarchy. Where's the real meat here? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I was so scared. I was like, I think that was the most scared I've ever been in my life before um, getting on stage. Because, you know, no one had made a trans joke about me. So I didn't know how I would take it. Wow. Even, you know, so... Remember, I was, you know, I was backstage. I'm like waiting to go up. And so, you know, Brian Moses, he's the host. And he's like giving me this kind of long intro. Your next battler, she's our first trans comedian. And the people are kind of clapping. You know, she's badass. She's this. And then, like, you know, I came here to not be coddled. <laughs> and then, Moses. <laughs> and then like one of the house haters, you know, you know like Earl, Earl Skakel was on the side. And yeah. his role was to play the villain. And he just goes, all right, just bring this dude out. I want to see her. You know, And then the, oh the I God. laughed. So I was backstage. I laughed so hard. That was it? Hard. That was the first one? That was the first one. He The seal. Wait, it's kind of four-year-old. Bring this dude out. <laughs> I want to see her. Yeah. And, and I, and <laughs> I just. I crazy? Yeah, it was so funny. He might have said him, but I just, I heard her. But it, it was like he uh, broke the seal. Mm. I come out. It was so electric. I've never experienced something like that before in my life. Yeah. And <clears throat> Roast Battle should have like deer skin drums going the whole time. Like, yeah. Because <laughs> it feels like something. There are actually ancient, you know, sort of. Is the word endogenous? Not not endogenous. Uh, indigenous. Indigenous. Thank you. Indigenous cultures that like do a lot of things with masks, where the rascal comes out and like does things <laughs> they're not supposed to do. Yeah, makes fun of the king. Right. You know what I mean? And it, that's what a roast battle feels like. Especially those haters. When yeah. I watch, I'm like the first thing that's going to get trimmed <laughs> from this show. The next like sort of wave of awakening is these haters. Yeah. They're way worse sometimes <laughs> than the roaster yeah it was it was so yeah i mean i was scared but you know it there was so weird i felt more love during that roast battle than i ever had you know you weren't being I, othered you I were wasn't being, being treated as a comedian yeah and yeah and so like i remember my my first joke i did was the biggest laugh i had ever gotten up to that tell point. me it verbatim. What my... if you go? This bitch had no thumb. <laughs> I'm like Robin. I think you're hello, having an my, episode. Hello, everybody at roast battle. My name is Robin. Tra- you know, <laughs> I used to do drugs. I still. Do. I, was, I still. I do. just. I just stole. Mitch I Hedberg. used to as well. That's great. Yeah. Great so jokes. My it was uh, my opponent was uh, overweight, and I said, uh, uh, "Tim is an alcoholic. Twelve steps is a program he'll never join, and a distance he'll never run." That was my That's first great. joke. Great. Audience went crazy. Every joke of my, I said, Tim looks like Jesus ate all the fish and bread he made, which is one of my That's favorites. That's one of the best things I've ever heard. He <laughs> and, ate 5,000 baskets. <laughs> That's a lot of baskets. Yeah. And, um, he looked like Jesus if he ate all the fish. That's a joke just for me. I need to clear my, sorry. Please go ahead. Do you need some water? Um, I think I'll be okay. Um, but, uh, yeah. So after the roast battle, one of the uh, people in the wave, you know, like the improv kind yeah. of gave up and gave me flowers and the audience went crazy. Uh-huh. And then my second roast battle was a, a main event. That's how well I did. My first, wow. my second battle was a main event. And then I just got addicted. I was only going to do it once, like as a bucket list thing. I didn't expect to become a roaster, become a, just like the stand up comedy. I was going to do it once and then kill myself. That was a, the, the idea. And yeah. then I was like, 
oh, well, I'm, yeah, I'm kind of good at this. So I kept putting off my suicide. And now I'm <laughs> did you really mean kill yourself? I mean, I thought about killing myself for like 25 years. This is what I was telling you about. Like, I, because I was like, did he mean, did she mean, excuse me, did no, she okay. mean, we are talking about Robert in my defense. <laughs> yeah. no, did it's he okay. mean, I'm going to do it and, and then kill myself, like yeah. kill that persona, but you meant end your life. Yeah. I, I thought about killing myself almost every day since I was like seven years old wow. and, it, and it went away, you know, like a year and a half ago when I got like medicated. Robin. Yeah. Tell me everything. You're seven years old. Yeah, I, I was just like, I would, you know, it would be dark. I would co- go into the kitchen. I would just kind of take a knife and just kind of like rub it on my skin and go like, what's stopping me from pushing in? You know, because wow. I hated my life so much, even though I was a kid. And uh, then I hated myself for being too much of a coward that I couldn't pull it off. Whoa. It was like this, it was like the cycle of self-hate. I mean, I didn't realize until I was um, in my 30s that it, it runs in my family. Like, like a lot of people in my family have clinical depression bipolar and stuff Mm. and so yeah i just kind of like it felt like i just kept on rip like peeling off layers of an onion so i'm like okay you know once i do stand-up comedy then i'll be happy okay i'm happy but then i get depressed again well what if i get a girlfriend i can now have a girlfriend i'm happy i fall in love i'm happy but then i get depressed again come out as transgender Mm -hmm. okay happy for like a month and then depressed again and so i i i saw happiness as like a a fleeting thing that you can grab every now and then but i wouldn't I think the the uh, the longest I would go without thinking about killing myself would be like two days, and for me, like two days would be like a godsend. I'm like, wow, I had two good days, and then I would go back to uh, suicide, you know, suicidal depression, you know, ideations and stuff. I would tell therapists and psychiatrists about this, but I had really bad health insurance, so they would just tell me things like, ah, oh, just go on a walk, you know, just go on. A-. I'm like. And I'm I'm at the gym. I'm crying at the gym. I'm like, is this what you people wanted? I'm crying on top of a mountain. I went hiking. I'm sorry, but that's really <laughs> yeah. Funny. I know. I'm trying to make You're it like fun. the sweat and the tears <laughs> are merging. Is this what you fuckers wanted? I'm like, listen. I'm like doing the rowing machine, and I'm in tears, and I'm like, well, you know, maybe I could I could be crying at home. I don't need to be going at the gym. Wow. So my therapist and my psychiatrist, they just didn't care about me. My my old psychiatrist, like, she put me on all these medications that like messed me up, and I and I kept telling her like. I don't think you should be giving me this. I have bipolar. Like my old psychiatrist diagnosed me and she said, oh, well, you know, you didn't look bipolar to me. And I'm like, did you read my file? What do you mean? I don't look bipolar. Do you want me to just come in all happy and then sad? That's why there's a file. (laughs) Yeah. The reason you have the file, you have the file. You don't know how to read the file. You guys think that's actually not Pete. Jerry Seinfeld Seinfeld just came in in and started doing that. Hey, Jerry. Um, (laughs) So, I had this thing called anhedonia for two years, and I didn't know I had it. Sounds An- like a strain of weed. Anhedonia. <laughs> Isn't that anhedonia, dude? Anhedonia is the inability to experience pleasure or joy. And I did. That is the most fucked up it, thing. It is, it is the worst. It sounds like an elvish, elfish realm. Like, go to anhedonia <laughs> and sleep in a hammock made out of Nephilim. Yeah. It's the saddest thing. It is. It was like, I remember there were moments, and I, you know, people here, like, Oh well, I can't experience you know joy or whatever. I'm like, no, this is like a clinical, like you can't, like a side effect of of medications that my doctors kept on adding more because she didn't care about me. So I would remember I would just be like, okay, just put on like shows that you usually like that you feel comforted by, and I would watch it and I would feel nothing. And I'm like, this wow, is di- I'm this is different. Freaking out. This is it's like <laughs> this is different. Freaking out for you. Um, Although I'm, we did just to yeah. tip the story. <laughs> You, it gets better. It does get Keep better. Keep going though. So let's go it, as dark it, as we want. Yeah, because it'll it does. Help it people. does get. But this is a happy ending. Yeah, I, 
And uh, if anyone's listening and is in this place and has adidonia, yeah, and 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 it's not weed and it's yeah. not an Elvish hammock, <laughs> and they're worried, this is this is some life saving stuff. Please tell everything. So I experienced this thing called I, um, I, I I I perceive it as intense boredom, but boredom that makes you want to kill yourself. Like I actually went online and I said, "Can you die from boredom?" Like that's how like it was it was a pervasive, heavy boredom. And so I would look at life as in like series of minutes. Like I'm like, okay, there's a new song that's five minutes where I might not be depressed, wow. or like I couldn't even be left alone. We had to kind of like move back to Garden Grove because if I was left alone for like ten minutes, it, I, I would feel like a danger to myself. Wow. So it, it was bad. And so like I, by the way, I, I got on Comedy Central during this time. I yeah, got it's not on, circumstantial. I, I I mean I like I remember I was on Comedy Central's Roast Battle season three. There were six cameras on me. And in my brain, during the roast battle, I think, you're not doing anything with your life. This is nothing. You are ungrateful. You should be feeling more. And so I'm trying to focus on being on TV. But like, It's my, a thief. It's the the and, condition yeah. is a thief. It won't even let you yeah. feel good when you think you should feel good. And then you feel bad that you don't feel good. Yeah, yeah. I also want to say my first therapist was like, when people see children and they say, I'm bored, that's code for I'm depressed. Yeah. Because yeah. boredom and, and depression is very similar. Because what is it? It's just like, yeah. what is this? What am I going right. to do? Time moved so slow that, mm. like, even if I would like microwave something, like in like three minutes, mm. it would feel like an hour. Like literally, like, everything felt like two years felt like fifteen years to me. If, you know, like Inception when you go into the dream and it's like, yeah. it feels a lot longer than it actually yeah. is. Yeah. So anyway, um, I was on mushrooms one time. During this? Yeah, during this, I was on... Who gave I, you mushrooms? I was on mushrooms. I'm like, I don't know if that's a good time to take <laughs> no, mushrooms. So what happened was I was It sounds on... like you're already on mushrooms. Like, yeah. <laughs> when you were saying all of that, yeah. I was like, that's an that's an experience you can have on a very high dose of mushrooms, which yeah. is like time is slowing yeah. down. So what happened was I was on this one... It was the worst trip I'd ever been on. I pictured myself on top of a snowy mountain in a fetal position, and I'm freezing. I've never been that cold before in my life. And I remember in that moment, I thought, like... This is in your mind's eye? Yeah, this is in my mind. I'm on top of a snowy mountain, uh, and if I could push a button right now, my pain... If I just end the pain now, I would just push it and blink out of existence. And then I kept thinking to myself during this mushrooms trip, I've been in pain for so long. I've been yelling out for help. How come no one's been helping me? Like, I'm not... You know, like, I'm asking for help. It's not like... You know, like on TV, there's a lot of like white people who are like, oh, if they asked for help, they would be better. You know, I, I don't relate to that. I'm screaming for help and no one's helping me. Yeah. And then so like um, I realized like you need to get off these medications. Mm. That was kind of when I had to admit it to myself. I didn't want to get off the medications because the medications made me pervasively bored, but it also numbed my depression. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I didn't feel the highs and lows anymore. So I eventually I got off all the medications. I didn't tell anyone. Don't do this, by the way. I didn't tell anyone I got off of them because I didn't want anyone to worry about me. I got off of them cold turkey. Wow. I got off four medications cold turkey, which is so bad for you. I quit meat cold turkey. (laughs) (laughs) So I remember for the next two weeks, all of a sudden my feelings came back. All of a sudden I started getting sad again, happy again, and then my mood swings. But all of them came back. All of them came back. So my bipolar came back strong, and I'm like... Mm fuck, I think I need to get back on medications again. You know, Not in was, a good way. Yeah, and so I'm like, oh, my God. So my girlfriend gets me on like her health insurance, like a good health insurance. I meet my psychiatrist. Uh, she meets with me for almost two hours. She like she said, asked me to so stay. So the opposite of the first yeah, one. Yeah, and so she, and she was telling me, um, she said something that changed my life. She said, um, you know, this, none of this is your fault. It's like if you um, had asthma and you needed an inhaler. 
Mm-hmm. You wouldn't say that you're weak, that you need an inhaler, mm-hmm. or if you have a headache, you take Advil. She demystified it, you know, because I think people look at depression and bipolar and they make it either like this, I am, I am going to be broken forever or I am special because I have, it's neither of those things. You just have a, a medical condition that needs to be dealt with. So she demystified it. So she's, you know, she prescribes me this thing I'd never taken. And I asked her like, what if I take this pill? And then I realized that my depression goes away, but my life still sucks. And I realized that it wasn't depression all along. It was that my life, and 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 I'll be I'll be happy with a bad life, and I want to kill myself while I'm happy. And she just goes, "Look, just take the pill." Right? Like she just like she's like, "Just trust me. Like all this will go away." So I took it, and um, it, it was a small dose, so my depression went away for like a week. And I'm like, "Oh my god, I can't! I've never had a week of no depression before." And then it came back, and then she's like, "Okay, now that you, we can tell you didn't get an allergic reaction, we'll put you on a higher dose." And that what was it? It, it, it's I don't know if I should say the okay. medication. I don't know the it, 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 it's, it's a uh, mood stabilizer because the fact of the matter is this is working for you. It's not like yeah. I could go out and take right. this or anyone listening yeah. need to find the right one for everybody. So I remember it was um, I remember the moment like I took this new dosage and my depression has been gone ever since that day. Like it lifted. It was a a moment of peace I never thought was possible. Wow. My my mom, you know, she also suffers from like medical, you know, like a mental disorder. And she said that she went through the same thing when she was like 26. She said that when she started taking the right medication, a demon left her body. That's how she explains it. Sure. That's how I felt. I I, I didn't know. I'm not surprised. I I remember the moment that I. Because you're being possessed by an, an entity that isn't you. Yes. Meaning it's a diseased collection of firing synapses somebody could tell us better yeah but it's not the main control unit yeah is being possessed yeah oh you know what my psychiatrist said i loved she said um she said that uh psychiatry you know and like medication that's like the driving driving the car and therapy is like the gps wow so 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 i was doing therapy so I knew where to go, but I didn't have a car. Like, my brain was on fire, basically. Mm. So I can take all the self-help and all that stuff. It didn't really register to me until I got better. And then all of a sudden, years of therapy and all that stuff, then it clicked. It was like I was a sleeper cell. It flipped a light switch. And all, now years of therapy just hit me all, all at, at once. once. It all at once. Yeah. You were able to metabolize it, basically. Yeah. So the moment my depression went away, this is the greatest moment of my entire life, by the way. This podcast? Uh, uh, no, yes. This podcast <laughs> right now. Hey, 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 Jerry. How's it going, Jerry? Yeah. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Transmission, transgender, transistor radio. One of these. <laughs> big, big fan, Jerry. Um, Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I was a. Uh, th- this is so. It's a quiet moment, but I was sitting in the uh, office. You know, the the bedroom where like my girlfriend works. It's like her little office. It's the weekend. My, she's downloading Untitled Goose Game. I remember the moment, and I look out the window. I have Untitled Goose Game. Yeah, I love it, Get right? Get that rake. Yeah. <laughs> Get that rake in the lake. <laughs> I love that game. I have very fond memories of it, but I'm looking out the window, and I'm looking like at, uh, there was a tree outside, and I just realized, like, oh, my God, I'm not worried about anything. This is the first time I've never worried about anything. Mm. And then usually, you know, your brain goes, oh, you're not worried about anything. You better find, something. You better find something to yeah. worry about. And so yeah. my brain started doing the kind of like it was buffering like a website buffering mm. it couldn't find anything to worry about and i just smiled for like the first time in my life wow. and i was like i was like i think it's gone i said to my girl i think it's gone so like you know we um we played untitled goose game and then we watched uh, chernobyl 
And I remember, and so what, and so, and so what I've been telling you people, were ready for some other, somebody yes. else's sadness. And so I remember I tell people now that I, I now, whenever I think of, of Chernobyl, I smile. <laughs> That's what I've been telling wow. <laughs> the show, the TV show, of Chernobyl. Course, of course. And I'm like, oh, Chernobyl. I like, look at it like a, like a, an ex that I, you know, still have feelings for or something. Wow. Oh, Chernobyl. I remember. Oh my but, God. But yeah. So for the next two months, I didn't. I didn't completely trust it. I'm like, it, it's always come back. Of course. And then, you, you know, you were I, traumatized by yeah. it for your whole life. But then at some point, I'm like, I don't think this is going to go away because I was, I was tested uh, at certain times where like I got really, 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 really sad at some points. But really, really, really sad is not even close to being depression because really, really sad is actually a healthy human emotion. Because like so for me, depression is like a heavy emptiness. It's like it's like a like I would kill to be sad because feeling sad is healthy. You have to feel sad sometimes because mm-hmm. it you know it slows you, you know slows you down and you can be reflective. And so like I see was that an Inside Out reference? Crying helps me slow down and obsess over. the I think it did. I, I stole it from Inside Out. <laughs> I've been I've been trying to sneak it in to conversations. I'm like I hope no one saw Inside Out and people missed it. Well, I have a three year old. I watch it constantly. <laughs> you watch it every but day. But that line is great. Yeah, that's that's how I feel. It helps I, me. It, sadness helps you slow down and obsess over the way to life thrones. I, I think that's like I think everyone should watch that movie for like mental health reasons. Yeah, I think they sure. actually show that movie to uh, patients that are going through health, uh, mental health issues. Is that right? Yeah. So that was November of 2019. And then uh, COVID hits, like, in, like, what, March? And, you know, like, around February, I was like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm bored of just doing stand-up. I'm going to learn how to make memes. I'm just going to do what I find funny because <laughs> I've never just done what I find funny before. Okay. I've always kind of followed the script of, like, what people expect me to be. I started making these stupid Eminem memes. And then, like, everything I started, I started just doing comedy for me. You know, I started just doing what I would, I would find. Yeah. <laughs> I would just start doing what I found funny. Can I also say I love memes? Oh, yeah, I love I'm, them. I, I'm the Trump person messaging you saying <laughs> I'm a fan. If I could message memes, I'd just be like, look, I know I'm supposed to be, like, smarter than this or something. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm but sorry. nothing gets me more than a meme. I, I'll tell you something. Like, the funniest week of my life was... When the election was taking forever because people were counting votes slowly, mm. all of the Georgia is counting votes slowly memes were the funniest <laughs> things I've ever seen in my life. I've you know, never seen one. it was like one was like Brian McKnight. It's like Georgia counting votes, and it was Brian McKnight's song back at one. <laughs> one, you like a dream come true. Two, you and it, like I am. La- I was like, this is this is funnier than any stand-up special I've seen in like a you know. In memes years. are sort of like <laughs> America's funniest home videos. Yeah, I've told this a million, but I'll tell it to you. I was doing stand-up in a bar in Chicago. And in the front of the bar, they were showing America's Funniest Home videos with the sound off. Yeah. And it was getting more laughs than the stand-up show. And I was like, that's how funny, like, certain things are yeah. to the human animal. Yeah. I was I was making memes. Uh, I got obsessed with um, this one Eminem lyric, like, uh, you watch your leave out the window. This is why they call it window pain. You know yeah. that lyric? Yeah. So I started just doing pun- puns. Not a good song. Yeah. <laughs> it's not my favorite I started song. just doing puns where it was like, a picture of Thomas Paine and his Eminem going, guess is why they call it Thomas Paine. Like, 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 uh, like Carl Winslow injured, I guess is why they call it Winslow Paine. Just I did... gonna stand here and watch <laughs> I, I made like 50 of these. Wow. I just kept doing it. Cause I of just, course. Because like my brain is just like, who cares what other people find funny? You know what's funny. Do what you would find funny as a fan of comedy. Yeah. And I didn't know it was going to work. <laughs> anyway, so when COVID happened, I was like, I just learned how to make memes like a month ago. I'm just going to make memes. And um, and I was like, I got to okay. go back in your gram and find <laughs> these memes. Yeah. And then so like, I was like making memes. And then I learned how to make TikTok videos. And 
Um, the second that, you know, COVID happened, we all had to be inside. All, instead of like worrying about COVID, I was like, everyone's going to be at home right now. So you have so much stand up, many stand up clips, audio clips, memes, make people laugh at home. Now your audience now is everyone that's depressed at home. Mm. You're not depressed anymore. Everything switched. Everyone's depressed now, and you're not. Right. It's like so it's, now there's it's, some superhero equivalent. And it's always like, Go now, back and get the one. It is your job now to yeah. make them happy because you now have the privilege of getting medical attention for your bipolar. They need someone to make them laugh. Mm. So I just, I, you know, I, I got so annoyed watching, like, comedians saying, it's so hard to be funny nowadays. And I'm like, I've been killing it for a year, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so I, I, I think it was like, it's so weird that 2020 is like the best year of my life. And I I, don't, I think I told you in the green room of uh, Largo, I it's said... Your, it's your Chernobyl. I, I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't ever tell anyone that 2020 is the best year of my life. I guess I am now. But I said it was like winning the lottery on 9-11. That's kind yeah. of what the line I'd yeah. said is. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I feel like... I have a, someone told me you have a, it's like you have a second chance at life. Mm. And that's what I feel like. Um, it was the defining moment of my life was, it was getting treated for the bipolar. And so like all the other stuff helped, you know, but it, it's like, it's kind of frustrating for me because people look at me and go, oh, you must be happy because you figured out the gender you are. Are you, but like, yeah, that's part of it. But it really is like my mental health was like really messed up. I was on fire. Right, and also a lot of people know the gender they are, and they're fucking depressed. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Although there is yes, a liberation there is to a li- your, the liber- your the liber- coming out. The, the gender euphoria is is amazing. Is that like, a real thing? It was like rocket fuel for like oh, like two or three weeks. I suppose I the, the oppression like and then the release has the to release be incredible. Of, uh, well, I mean, coming out as trans for like three weeks, I felt like I was invincible. And then the depression came back because I wasn't medicated. Right. There was a, a gender euphoria, which is real. But I, oh, I've I, never heard that term. Yeah, gender euphoria. Gender euphoria. But so, like, you know, coming out, it, it's like I have this kind of new perspective. It's like, why is it that my mental health that never really gets talked about, even though that was like a hundred times more of a change than coming out as transgender for me? Right. It's going from a, a depressed person to a non-depressed person was a much much bigger transition. And I, I feel like wow. Hollywood needs like a, a like a patriarchal you know, villain, you know, like it's, it's, you're overcoming adversity. You're overcoming like what a cool, badass trans woman for beating up men. But like, you know, I'm depressed. Like it's not interesting to watch. It takes me eight hours to do the dishes. Like that's not interesting to, to watch. I, I made the, this is going to sound maybe out of left field, but I'm like, when I was a kid, they would have the true love weights Bible. True love weights was a campaign to wait till you're married to have sex. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, why focus on that element of, of, of purity? Yes. Right. Like, Inner holiness, not being judgmental, not being a liar, not yeah. being a thief. But those things don't lead to pregnant teenagers in your congregation. Yes, you know right, what I mean? Right. So like transgender is something we can see. Yeah. Uh, promiscuity is sort of something we can that's see. True. That's that's a, Yeah, so I think like you're right. Yeah. We don't care as much about internal conflicts. Yeah. Unless you can make them like inside out. Yeah. Or eternal, or eternal sunshine. Visualize what's going on inside. I, I, I agree. I also have this other like theory. I don't think people know what they're doing, but like everyone in media, I'm talking about books, movies, TV, whatever. They have tricked themselves into thinking that they're depressed because they're so smart. And mm. like depression is something that only smart people can can go through. Right. I used to think this too. And then, you know, when I went crazy, you know, when I lost my mind on anhedonia and everything, I went to a wellness center for a year, which is kind of like a mental health facility for people who can't afford a mental health facility. Mm. It was like uh 
if mental health fucked a community college. That's what it was. <laughs> it was just like we were all run- it was all crazy people running it and like four other crazy people. Oh wow. And so I found like I met a lot of people who had bipolar who were like mentally challenged. And I realized like, oh my God, I've been lied to by media. I've been lied to by movies and everything. The and that I realized that I had a privilege from being intelligent. I have intelligence privilege. Right. So all this time I was like, I'm cursed because I'm so smart. I can actually vocalize what bipolar feels like. That's right. There are people that couldn't vocalize it. They just had bipolar. All they knew was I get really happy sometimes. I get really sad sometimes. And my medication makes me sleepy. And they're frustrated that they don't have the vocabulary to express these feelings. So when I was at the wellness center, I became like a translator. I would, I would, ah, ta- I would, I would talk about my feelings, and then they would be like, Thank "That, you. that, that's how, yeah, that's how yeah. I'm feeling." Yeah, you became the number two. Yeah, and then so I, I now have the this whole like, um, the the I guess like the ableism, uh, like I can't unsee it now. That I, I still see it today. Like, if I wish that I was stupid, then I wouldn't be depressed anymore. It's like, no, you'd still be depressed. You'd just be frustrated that you can't write a a sonnet about it. Wow. You can't write a song about it anymore. You know? Wow. So, so I. I started realizing that I had like uh, intelligence privilege, and I, I started realizing the privileges that I had. And it's frustrating that I can't like tell people the nuance of this, of like, no, being transgender is a huge part of my life, but being bipolar was a much bigger part of my life. Wow! And so that's kind of the lens that I see life through now. That's fascinating. I had no idea. I mean, I did, but I guess I'm sort of guilty of being like. But that, that's big and loud and everyone can see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But of course, the biggest challenges are inside. Yeah. <laughs> of course. And, and so I also learned a lot. Like, you know, I, I got into like a lot of activist communities and everything. And you know, there's a lot of like social justice language. And I feel like my my whole thing on that is like, I think that it should, social justice language should go against like systems and like, you know, systemic racism and stuff. But the vocabulary they were using made my uh, recovery last longer. When I was at the wellness center, I was using a lot of social justice language, and I I would say things like, you know what, you guys saying that I should think positively is gaslighting my trauma. And they'd be like, Robin, this is a positive thinking class. Like, <laughs> like, how dare you tell me? Like, like it, and then, you know, like my, my counselors would eventually have to be like, Robin, we are all progressive here, you know? you're a bummer. Like, you just can't, like, wow. they had to, like, tell me, and then I, I had to, like, let go of that because uh, I was afraid, like, what if I, I don't want to become a right-winger. You know, that's kind of my fear. If I let go of, like, this kind of everything sucks for me, what if I become Ben Shapiro? But that's actually not what happened at all. I was able to understand the nuance of, like, I look at myself, I talk to myself like a Republican, but I look at society like a like a leftist. Wow. So I started talking to myself like, you pull yourself up by the bootstraps and you do this and that, but don't tell other people to do that and don't pass laws that that is how you do it. But I I, I realized that like talking to my, if if I followed the rules of social justice language and I said, I am a bipolar, transgender, lesbian, bi, you know, with ADHD and autism, I'm like seven things. Yeah. Like how am I ever going to, get out of that mindset where I can just overcome and, and do good for my right, life. Sure. So I had to just kind of, um, and by the way, I, I, I love playing the victim card. So I do miss it. Yeah. <laughs> like every, when I'm tired, I'm like, but Robin, I just want to play, you so know, intelligent, but, right but I, but I have to like, I kind of feel like I play the victim card. Like everybody once, loves it. Once every three months, I'm like, I'm a victim. To, I'm, I'm tired. 
Yeah. I'm just going to go online and say I life sucks. But I, I was doing it every day for a while. Yeah. And so like it's kind of a that's kind of a hard uh, line to walk when I talk about this stuff. Sure. Because I don't want to minimize anyone's trauma. And also, oh, by I, the way, there are victims. I was just saying the human oh, person usually love. I'm saying I let's make it real yeah. specific. <laughs> I love being like, well, you know, I was raised this way. Yeah. Or the media told me to be this way, or whatever it might be. Victim is, yeah. is a pleasant feeling for me sometimes. I, I, you know how I, I feel like, you know, like a lot of like right wingers would say like, you're not a victim. I don't agree with that. I think that you definitely are a victim. My thing is you are more than just a victim. So like oh, you're, you're a victim, but you're also cool. You're also, you can also do more. You're also strong. You're still a victim, but, and you can, you can, that can be part of your life, but don't let that be your entire life. Well, I'm very liberal with my prescription of privately of yeah. who is a victim. Meaning I'm sort of like everybody is sort of a victim if you consider victimhood being uh, gaining attributes yeah. or feelings that you didn't ask for from a culture that is unconscious and sort of uncaring of you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Like, yeah. I go like, oh, in a certain way, this is really generous. You can be like the movies and the TV that I watched that told me this is how to be a man – yeah, I'll privately go like that was a slight victimhood. Like no, I, I'm a victim of that. Hey, you know, it's, I don't I, go tweeting it. And yeah, it's weird no, for me to say it. I was a victim. I actually did write an article about that. Like, please, because I, you know, when I was writing for Everyday Feminism, when I went through my SJW phase, you know, <laughs> um, I wrote about how when I was a when I was Robert, I watched Family Matters. Steve Urkel gets Laura at the end. That fucked up my life. Like, yeah. I, I thought you. I guess you're rewarded if you just like. If you just put enough just coins be- in the machine, and then now the girl... Like, can you believe Laura, Laura Winslow ends yeah. up with Steve Urkel? Like, I, I thought this whole show was like, like a cautionary tale. Yes. <laughs> like, don't do this. And then you, I rewatch it now, and it's like, you know, Laura's really mean to Steve, and he's really nice to her. And I think I was like a victim of like... I, I, I'm made, so with you. I got it, Urkeled. It, yeah, it I thought I was title. Urkel. Yeah. Robin, I, I've said this... I've said everything I've ever said before on this podcast, <laughs> but I was watching TGIF. Oh, Home Alone. Yeah. And it's the episode where Urkel says to Laura, she goes, why do you still go after me? And he goes, it's like reaching for a star. <laughs> you, you realize you're never going to get it, but you got to keep reaching or something. And yeah. I just, the camera pans over to me in my dad's like leather chair. And I'm just like, ah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Because that's how I felt. Yeah. But you're absolutely right. It's really interesting. See, that's a very light victim. Yeah. Meaning I'm just saying influence yeah no absolutely things are influencing yeah. you that you are not aware of and that is a very lowercase v small i agree eight point font I, victim I, I just you just brought up something that i'm just really interested in that it's like during that time like the early 2000s like man there was this phase where like boy bands were just talking about how uh chicks you know what you're not happy with your boyfriend i'll make you happy and yeah. they were like the heroes remember american hi-fi oh your boyfriend God. he don't know anything about you that's He's right stu- and then Backstreet Boys. Nintendo. Nintendo. I don't even know why he said Nintendo. I don't know why he said Nintendo. We all just thought either. it was really cool. Yeah, but we yelled Nintendo. We, yelled we Nintendo. sure now yelled it. Yeah. There, there was a song by the Backstreet Boys called All I Have to Give. And it's like, um, he don't know how to make you smile, but you know, I will know how to make you smile kind of thing. Like yeah, there's a he lot doesn't, of songs. He doesn't like have that. a car, you know, like I don't have a fancy car, but I'll walk a thousand miles right. to see you. Oh, so you're broke and needy? Like, you know, like, it's just like... This is basically <laughs> the song Fuck You by CeeLo <laughs> yeah. in reverse. Yeah, right. That's the song that you write after a Backstreet Boy takes your girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, I was a, I was a nice guy. It was the, I was the Me worst. Me too! I was the worst nice guy. And I remember, like, when it went away, is like, I, 
uh, it was actually 2012. It was like in, around October of 2012. And somebody just asked me, like, are you happy with your life? Like, is any of this making you any happier? And I just was like, I'm so tired. Let me read some self-help books. And then so I read a chapter about empathy. I had never heard what empathy was before. Wow. I heard what sympathy I knew was. M- M&M. <laughs> I'm a big M&M fan. <laughs> but not an M&M empathy. M&M empathy. There's yeah. a me. There you go. M&M, yeah. You already did yeah, empath. Yeah, empath. Yeah, I did do empath. That's a good But kid. now M&M empathy. Yeah. Um, but I, I learned empathy. Like, I thought that uh, empathy and sympathy were the same thing. I asked a lot of guys think it's the same thing, but empathy is not a feeling. It's a skill. It's a tool, mm. right? So it was like this exercise that said, like, an empathetic exercise right about um, uh, yourself from the perspective of somebody that you hate. And I was wow. like, I, I wrote about myself from my ex-girlfriend's point of view, who I hated. And I'm writing about myself and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm a I'm a dick. Like, wow. I, I'm a like I what did I have to offer this person except for I really like you and I deserve you. And I was like, if you were her, you wouldn't date you either. So you need to start becoming a person that you would date. Wow. So I so I remember like it was like I was like an AA. I, I was I started calling people from my past. I, I'm so sorry that I, you know, pressured you into going out with me when you didn't want to. And I'm so sorry I did this and that. Like, I didn't realize the harm I was causing. And so that changed my life, the empathy thing. By the way, there are people very close to me. I won't tell you who they are, but like that dated somebody just because they urkled them. Yeah. Yep. And then I think they're also lowercase a point font yeah. victims of Family Matters. By the way, yeah. I'm not saying Family Matters needs to like pay recompense <laughs> to me. I'm just saying I like, am. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want money. I want that Urkel. Jaleel, <laughs> get over here. I'm just saying maybe there's a better word than victim. I'm saying we're all the products I agree with of that. a very tumultuous environment. I agree. I completely agree right? with that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think there's freedom in that. Yeah. In in recognizing like it's almost like your your uh, depressive episode. You're recognizing something that's not you that's inside of you. Yeah. And you had a chemical thing, you had a disease. Yeah. But we all have a thing that isn't you that's masquerading as you and it's called culture. Yeah. It comes in here and it says I've said this a million, but like I, I stand like a pregnant woman. Like I, I just have the hip placement and the, yeah. and the lower back. Right. But I love standing like a uh, like. It's hard to explain, but like a flamingo, I guess. <laughs> uh, but not with my legs, with my arms. And I remember my little league coach saying, "Don't stand like that. Men don't stand that way." Oh yeah, that's culture. Yeah, and, I, he, and by the way, yeah. he was just saying what someone said to him. That's exactly. He right. was passing on. Every and I did a bit about it. It's one of my favorite bits. I was like, "This is the most comfortable way to stand." I remember, People think yeah. I look gay, but I like sex with women and standing like this. <laughs> about the same, about yeah. the same amount. I They're, love that. Like, I, I remember that. I'm a big fan of yours. I, I appreciate that. that. I didn't mean to redo a bit. No, that you already no, knew. no. I, but the that the engine of like fuck this. I'm recognizing something that isn't me. That's masquerading as me. Yeah. It's just the voice of my little league coach. But I thought it was authoritative for some reason. Yeah. And then you're like, no, I, my body likes to stand this yeah. way. What's the big deal? It's so funny you say that. It's like um, I cried a lot. You know, I, I just cry a lot in general. But as a kid, it's like they would say boys don't cry, and I yeah. would cry anyway. And it's funny, like you get older, and people go, you know, you're so, you know, you're so brave for crying. And I'm like. I'm not doing it to be brave. I just can't. Like, if I could hold it in, I would. It's not like I'm crying so I can go, fuck you, dad. Look at my tears. But dude, like, I'm rebelliously crying. First of all, I call everybody dude. I'm, I'm being very sensitive. <laughs> no, I'm being okay. overly sensitive. No, I like saying dude when I'm like, I agree so hard right now. Yeah. It's like a declarative don't, you can, dude. You, don't worry I, about it. I'm I good. appreciate I know you're, you and I have talked more than just this episode. Ma- ma'am? Ma'am? <laughs> we're, 
ma'am, hey girl, hey girl, can you not? (laughs) So funny and so good. I'll say ma'am from now on, ma'am. I actually like it a little bit better. What were we saying? We were saying. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. Just back it up because I just had a a teachable moment. (laughs) Oh God, what were we talking about? Little League standing. Bit, was, my dad culture crying. crying but isn't it another way ma'am isn't it another <laughs> way to control someone when you tell them what their expression of feelings are yeah and by the way when i was younger nice guys are sort of masters at this you 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 tell them i used to do this with my ex-wife it's one of those things where i'm like no wonder she fucking left i would be like you're so sweet like i just always tell her you're so sweet I love how patient you are. I notice it with raising a daughter. You're just, just any child. You're just like going, you're telling them if the subtitles were on, you're saying, I like it when you're this way. Yes. That's another thing that's not right. you masquerading as you. Yeah. And a relationship can just be another person going, can I masquerade as you and, yeah. and nudge you in a certain direction? That's true. Yeah. I remember there was like a, it was like, God, it was one of those memes about love and it was something about like. Love isn't like picking a flower. It's like to like watch it grow. I I should not that's have brought this it. up. I have I should not have brought this up. Not knowing what the do you mean? Quote. That's that's yeah, it. kind of like that, right? It's not picking a flower. It's it's tending to it. Yeah, it's, it's watering right, it. Watering it. And yeah. that's that's the metaphor that Val and I use. Yes. We're just like I'm here to help. Yeah, I'm here to give you light and water and fertilizer. That means poop. <laughs> but you know what I mean. I, I have a very like um maybe over the top like I don't want anyone to be with me. If they don't want to be here, like to the even like to the extent of like, that's even, a huge epiphany. E- even even if like I have a friend over, I always let them know like, by the way, you can leave at any point. I won't get offended. You don't have to call me back right away. I want all of my relationships to be like the lowest amount of pressure possible because I feel like everyone's always apologizing to each other. Like, oh, I'm so sorry I didn't respond. I'm like, you all have friends that guilt you for not responding fast that's enough. Right. It's like, why would you want? Someone, why do you want hostages? Why do you want ho- yeah? Exactly why do you right. want hostages? And I used to want that because I didn't before the empathy thing. Before you know when I was the Urkel guy or whatever, I would just like I want mine. I want. You'd rather I be a terrorist it. than a lonely person that said I yes. don't want hostages. Yeah. So like you know when I hear uh, this is kind of a funny thing is like, um, you know when my female friends will like ask me for advice and go like, is this guy like a fuck boy? He doesn't respond back. I'm like, yeah, maybe, but. He's not as menacing as like the guy who's like, "Why didn't you text me back?" I'm like, "That guy's a red flag." This other guy, at least he'll leave you alone. <laughs> he'll like abandon wow. you. But but I think I kind of take it too far, where like I I go so over the top that people think I don't like them. Mm-hmm. Like like you know they'll call me on the phone and then I'll be like, "Oh, what if they regret calling me?" But they're too nice to say anything. So I'll be like, "By the way, you don't you can go whenever." And they're like, "Oh, I guess Robin doesn't like me." So I so need to funny. I need to be aware of that. Now. Yeah, you might want to get the balance just right. <laughs> yeah, right. Because that that's helpful to me too. At a certain point, does it just become a defense to be like, "Well, clearly you don't want to be here." Like, where does the self love? <laughs> yeah, help to the right level. Yeah. By the way, I can leave if you need me to leave. So Even though you asked me to be here. <laughs> so funny. Well, I actually got a little distracted when we were talking because my dad just texted me this morning. He goes, are you okay? Call your mother. Oh, no. And it, it made me really upset. <laughs> oh, no. Because, is everything okay? Oh, no. Are you okay? We could unpack this for nine hours. But are you okay means there must be something wrong. Right. You don't mean it. Do you really think something's wrong? You really, you really think something's wrong? Because if if you really think something's wrong, you'd write, "Are you okay?" Right. Yeah. Why? Oh, you just haven't called your mom in a little while. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just like 
there must be something wrong with you because you didn't call home this Sunday. Oh, God. Even though I just saw them for a week, and maybe that's why I gave old Petey the, the weekend off. Yeah. But I did forget. It's been two weeks now, so he's checking in. And I made a note to call her today. But the reason I'm telling you this is because it sort of applies. The reason I'm sensitive to people that go like, or, or now that I'm aware that it's a thing, it's what was done to me. You're yes. so good. Yes. My dad, we, we were just talking about this new show I'm doing, and he was like, "What is the character? What's the character like?" And I was like, "It was like a nice guy, a friendly guy, a family guy." And he's like, "So the real you." The implication there is that the guy on Crashing uh, wasn't me. Oh uh, yeah, I, just, and I'm like, I wrote it. <laughs> I hate the little those little passive aggressive ja- like. It's like, oh, they'll I, kill you. They, they make me so. They they'll make me way you. angry. Like, oh I, yeah. One time I was visiting my parents, and my dad out of my dad just goes, "You know, your cousin makes a lot of money." And I was like, dude, <laughs> like, like I am, I'm still mad about that. It's been like three years. I remember yeah, the moment. Of course. Like, because I'm not making enough money, right? Why don't you just say you're not making, I'd rather you just tell me you're not making enough money than, you know, your cousin makes a lot of money. Because now if I yell at you, you can say that I'm crazy. You have this plausible deniability. That's right. I just said, I said a fact. <laughs> you know, what? that's what I mean. Yeah. That and, and the weird, icky, sticky, like saccharine boyfriend that's saying, I love how sweet you are, uh, can just say, I was just complimenting you. Yes. But really, they, they are these micro moves. And I'm saying I still probably do this to Val yeah. just in an even more unconscious way because yeah. that's sort of what relationship – I'm sort of doing it with you, yeah. like rewarding certain things. Yeah. I laugh here. Yeah. I ask questions there. Yeah. Like we're all sort of the products of our environment. And actually, right now, I'm your environment. I'm actually <laughs> holding up a sign that says laugh whenever I tell a joke for Pete. He actually is like, I said, I said, if you don't laugh at this, you're transphobic. I actually, I actually wrote it on a sheet. I, it was hard to read while I was laughing, but I managed. I was like, I'll laugh now and I'll read the threat afterwards. But I, I'm glad I laughed. I'm glad I laughed. My mom calls me sometimes, and it's so weird. My mom is like, she'll call me, and then she'll try to get off the phone as quickly as possible. And it's like, Mom, why'd you... We talked for five minutes yesterday, which is more than she calls me. Hey, how are you? And I tell her all these things about comedy. And she'll go, I'm so happy for you. So, you know, call me back you know, uh, some other time. And she'll, Whoa. I'm like, are you mad at me? You're the one I called you. Why'd you add in this? Now I'm worried if my mom is mad One of at my me. favorite lines is, did you call it a bad time? <laughs> You're supposed to say, did I call it a bad time? But you called it a bad time. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, you don't have time? <laughs> which, by the way, is why it's hard for me sometimes to call my mom. Because it's an hour. Oh, That's how oh, long wow. we're going to talk. My, I gotta. It's hard to carve out an hour. I, I don't. I don't like. I don't. I guess I don't care about family very much. Uh, I, Robin, I, safe space. I, I guess this is a learned behavior. I feel. I feel <laughs> like a lot of uh, '90s television shows, sitcoms, and maybe even the '80s had this pro-family propaganda that I hate. I'll rewatch this stuff, Robin. Yeah. You're just in my brain right now. It's like I yeah. get depressed watching it. Yeah, because I remember watching Cosby Show. Rape acknowledged. I'm saying yeah, I, right. I, I just don't want to say it without being like well, I'm aware. <laughs> right, bad person. Yeah, horrible guy. And I would watch the Cosby Show before all that, and I'd be so sad. It still makes me sad. Yeah, Val is, is sensitive. I didn't mean to interrupt. I no, just no, want you do. to know. Yeah. that I'm so with you. Keep going. Like there was there was like for, there's episodes of Simpsons. I love the Simpsons. Like we've talked about, it. it's my yeah. favorite show. But there's an episode when Lisa is in the future. She's going to get married to this guy. And like Homer is being a jerk the entire episode. And then at the end of the episode, it was like, you got to forgive your family. This is like this with every sitcom I saw. And I'd watch it. I was abused by my family. And I'm like, but they didn't do anything to earn the forgiveness. Mm. And so I, I have this theory that it's like these shows were written by baby boomers who just wanted 
to uh, take love from people without doing anything to earn it. Like the only the wow. only way the old, younger generation will like me is if I make a, a sitcom about it. Like, oh yeah, it, it doesn't matter how abusive they were; they're still your family. But to me, I I never looked Whoa. at my my blood family as like my family. I you know it's like I, propaganda. Yes, actually. yeah, it's propaganda. Yeah. I cut out members of my family, and I don't feel bad about it. I refuse to feel bad about it. People try to make me feel bad about it and they even try to like project and they go you're going to regret it one day and i'm like i'm not i haven't regretted it for a decade mm. like you know even in my i had a therapist and um during one of our last sessions before i graduated from therapy by the way i, w- I went for like four months my brain's clear she just said you don't need it anymore basically wow so i'm like i'm like so do i need to know anything else before i am done with therapy just in case i have any she, blind spots. your mom do you she was like yeah you can go <laughs> yeah, you oh, can goodbye go. <laughs> yeah so i was like she goes she goes what about your dad and your sister? Do you want to talk to them again? And I and I explained to her like why I would be open to it one day, but why it doesn't affect my life anymore, and why I do talk to my mom now because my mom was sick and she's done a lot to like make up for it, so she earned the forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And she just goes, "Okay, that sounds fine." You know, like my therapist didn't do the family propaganda that I was afraid she would do because right. she's not a sitcom; she's a doctor, right? You know, and so like, <laughs> and and also like, that's I what feel, her business card says. I feel like I'm not a sitcom. It's also like a very straight, uh, hetero thing to be like. You got to love your family no matter what. Well, I mean, like a, a lot of LGBTQ people, like they make their own families after they've mm-hmm. been disowned. I didn't get disowned, but I understand the feeling of not being accepted by your family. Why would you want? to get the approval of people just because you're blood related to them. That to me is a very arbitrary thing. I didn't choose to be here. You had me. I didn't, right. I, you know, if I right. had it my way, maybe I would have said no. Right. You know, so like, I don't know why I'm obligated to you now. So you get to have a kid and then you get to tell them how to be a person and then they have to love you no matter what. This is backwards. They should earn your love. So, you know, that's why mm. I still watch these old sitcoms. They, and I get mad. But it's the same thing as you're not picking a flower. Yes. You're watering the flower. Yeah. And then the, the flower loving you isn't like a, 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 a given. Yeah. But I do think it was like a baby boomer thing. It's like, you're my kid. You have to love me. <laughs> yeah. When you're absolutely right, Homer should have said, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Like that scene is omitted. <laughs> right. Like, And I think that scene would have de- devastated any of us. <laughs> right. Just being like, if he was like, Oh, Lisa, I can't do Homer. <laughs> I'm so sorry I was embarrassed. And sometimes he does. Yeah. Sometimes he does. Other episodes. I'm so sorry I did that. It's <laughs> so Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> hey, Homer, the Odyssey, Odysseus. What are the chances? He's going on an Odyssey. His name is Odysseus. Could have seen that coming. If your name is adventurous, you might go on an adventure. I love this. This is a good <laughs> It's not bad. This is a good episode. It wasn't bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, you didn't even. Well, we haven't even really gotten to that. It, I, I'm assuming all this family stuff is in the is 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 in the transgender of it all. Um, I you know I don't know I I just never felt like they got me even mm. before I came even before I realized I was a woman I was as different and I just like. You know, I actually, sorry, Robin, just to correct, just so you didn't think I was like, well, obviously it's about the transgender. I was like, if you tell me the story of your transition, I bet we would get some of the family stuff in chronological order. Oh, have order. I not told? Have I not told this? We story haven't really transition? told it yet. No. Oh my but, god, my transition. But you can story. you can keep on where you were. No, I just you know it's like so funny. I forget I'm transgender, like most of the time. That's beautiful. In my brain, I'm a white guy. 
Like it's so it's so funny. It's like you internalize <laughs> what you watch. I was a big Saved by the Bell fan, and so you're Mark Paul. Yeah, so Zach Morris would talk to the camera. I swear, we are siblings. We're <laughs> yeah, like no, related. Like, I know. It's we, crazy. We, it's so crazy. We like we're hit siblings it off right of away. the same culture and yeah. the same things, and this yes. is what we're kind of talking about. Yeah, and he would do the whole time time, time out. I yeah. wish I could have done time out. So could Vicky in small uh, small, small wonder. wonder. Yeah. Yes, yes. I always I wanted love... to be able to freeze. Yeah, but it's yeah. I loved it, you know, and I. So in my in my conceptualization of who I am, I'm still a white guy. No matter how much I know about myself, every now you know I was at Just for Laughs, right? And I'm looking through the mirror, you know, get, you know, getting ready, and 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 it just like it hit me that I'm me. And mm. I'm like, oh, I forgot I'm transgender. Right. How crazy is it that someone that looks like me is going to go yeah, on dude, stage? Time out. Yeah, time out. <laughs> but you know, like it's just okay. So my story of my transition, right? I I I would say I was driving back to work one day. I worked at a uh, I can't I don't want to say the company's name, but I was really miserable at work. But I um I was listening to like this a song by Ryle O'Kiley. It's like an indie band. Jenny Lewis is the a lead singer. A very girly song, and I usually just kind of like leave my window up and I turn the volume down. and I sing it quietly, mm. but I was having this kind of like euphoric moment, and I'm like, I'm gonna roll down my windows. I'm gonna sing this song out loud, kind of just scream it. And it broke something inside of me. It, like, all of a sudden, my, my life flashed before my eyes. And I remembered all these moments that I, like, completely suppressed. Like, I used to wear pink, and I used to wear nail polish. I used to have jewelry, necklaces and stuff. I wanted to play with these girly toys as a kid. I used to, you know, I, I was in drama class, and I, you know, you have to put makeup on for your place. I would keep it on. Like, and then they were like, why are you keeping on your makeup? I'm like, I don't know. You know, so like I remember. <laughs> Why are you not? <laughs> yeah, you just cartwheel. Yeah, away. and then so I I pulled over the side of the road, and I said out loud the words I said to myself was like, "Me, I think I'm meant to be a woman." I didn't say I am a woman. Mm. I think I said I'm meant to be a woman. I cried for half an hour straight. Wow. Like I, I don't That's know. So brave. I don't know what I think. <laughs> <laughs> had you heard of transgender people at, yeah at so this point? so that's what oh, i'm so glad you brought that up so like about a month before that we were me and my girlfriend were watching the pilot of uh transparent mm-hmm. and i'm furious watching this thing mm. and i and i start you know she's like what's wrong like what and i'm like these these fucking people want them to call he and she you want to be called she? How dare you? And I and I said, Whoa. you know, in some other lifetime, I could have been a woman, but you don't see me walking around. And then she goes like, well, if you're a woman, why aren't you just like a woman? And I'm like, don't don't say that to me. I blew, I don't remember this, by the way. I don't you, like, remember. Blacked out. I, I blacked this out of my memory. Whoa. So I I think it's like a month later. I was like kind of. I think I, it was it seeped in my head somehow. So yeah, I cried. I cried. You know, I don't know what a religious experience is, but it felt like a religious yeah. experience. So I'm crying. I'm trembling. I open up my phone. I open up Facebook Messenger, and I message my girlfriend, "Hey, baby, I'm a woman. I love you." That's how I told my girlfriend. Wow. Just in the middle of the workday, and, and then, on Facebook too. And, and then I had to go. Clock, I had to go clock back into work. And now, I, my second half of my shift, I'm like, I'm getting nothing done. I I think I. It was slow at work, so I I came out on Facebook that day, and I just like, kind of told everyone, I, I don't know, this is a, um, this is not a joke. Is, people like think that I'm such a hack that I would make up. Hey guys, I'm a trend. Just kidding. Yeah. Like how how well do you guys how know me? That you, I, I would how not. How bad have... <laughs> do you need material? <laughs> yeah. So I came out, and I got um, I got more likes than I ever got, which is you know, made it all worth it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and then about like ten of people unfriended me right away like people just kind of didn't like it and so that was the first like 
like rejection I felt. And then um, for the next three weeks, I think, I was like, um, this is a mistake. I'm not actually trying. I got scared. And then uh, every week, my girlfriend would be like, you want to go to the mall and, you know, pick out some clothes? I'm like, I refuse. I, I'm not transgender. I'm just going to, like, go. I'm going to go dark for six months and hope that everyone forgot. That's what I was going to do. Wow. And then so they, for, you know, my, my friend and my girlfriend, like, let's go to the mall. And then I picked out, like, a pink blouse and everything. And I looked in the mirror. And I was like, I saw myself smiling, and I was like, holy shit. Like, I look so happy. And I just thought, my life is over, man. Like, this is, my life's not going to be easy, because I don't think I can go back to what I was before. Mm. And, um, yeah, I, I remember just, like, I, I was able to finally look at people in the eyes after I came out as transgender. So before I came out, I I couldn't look at people in the eyes because I was afraid that they would discover something about me, but I didn't know what that thing that they would discover about me even was. Wow. Until you discovered so, it. Until I discovered it. And yeah. so like, I remember I, you know, I started dressing up and then, you know, and then I, I still worked at this conservative company. And so I would do stand up comedy where I dress up as a woman and I feel all happy. And then I'd wake up and I have to go as a guy and I'd be miserable. So I came out as transgender at work and I was the first employee in my company to come out as transgender they had to actually find a different company's handbook on how to deal with transgender because my company didn't know how to do it so everyone was like in a frenzy like they're like okay this this person is being a headache right now we gotta and and so like that was um people would stare at me at work they would walk past my by my cubicle and just like stand stand there and they would stare at me angrily for like 10 seconds and then walk away this happened like 50 times a day so i go to human resources what and then they said, there's nothing against the rules against staring. And I said, yeah, but this is like a hostile work environment, you know? So my human resources tries to do something about Why it. Why did you have to find that twist? Yeah. yeah, but wouldn't you agree it's a hostile work environment? And she's like, oh, right, <laughs> yeah. right, 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 yeah. right, 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 right. But to her credit, she tried to talk to uh, people higher up than her. And then she came to work one day and she calls me into her office and she's in tears. She's like, I'm sorry, I can't help you. They won't let me, you know? Oh, wow. And so I, you know, I walked out one day. I just, I, I walked out. I didn't. You I quit? Didn't, I didn't even quit. I just, I left. I never came back. I left. I drove away. You Irish I, goodbye I flipped your off job? <laughs> and I was making more money than I'd ever made in my life. I didn't tell my girlfriend. I just left. I couldn't deal with it anymore. You mean at that job you were making yeah, more money? Yeah, I was more. Yeah. And I still think even to this day, that was the most I'd ever made in my life. Mm. I was like, I had health insurance, I had full time job, I had all this stuff, and so I left, and I didn't, I didn't know what I was going to do with my life, but I just, knew, I just knew I couldn't uh, work there anymore. And then my human resources, uh, I got into contact with her a couple of months later. She quit after that. She, wow. she was so devastated that she couldn't help me, that she just refused to work at that company, and then she like has a new career now. That's great. <laughs> because, wow! Yeah, isn't that isn't that amazing? That is amazing. Yeah. So that little. I don't know what you want to call it, but this horrible traumatic thing for you and for her, nobody's giving anybody the resources. Yeah. You have the human. <laughs> you don't have the resources. <laughs> uh, but now they found a better path. And so did you. Yeah. Obviously you yeah. found a more fertile pasture, but it, it was um, no that... more staring Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yes. Yeah, you know, it's funny. It's like, so, you know, during those months, that was when, when you're bipolar or you like, you have a mental disorder, like if you don't have a structure, then it messes you up. So since I didn't have a job anymore, that was when the descent of depression really sank in is when I didn't have a job mm. and I didn't have any structured time. That was when my, my mental health declined a bunch. Mm. And then, you know, that was when I started, you know, and then 
everything I talked about before with the bipolar was a result of just like walking out on my job and not having a backup plan. Hmm. Wow. And now I love unstructured time. I actually, I love it. You know, people ask me what I do now. Hmm. And I usually, I wake up, I figure out a way to cause some trouble. I laugh for 16 hours and then I go to sleep. <laughs> I, if you ask me what I did, I have no idea. It's like, sometimes I'll go back on my, my uh, Instagram and I'm like, did I make that meme? Like what a piece! Like every now and then I'll scroll and I'm like, "What kind of piece of shit did they?" Oh my god, it's me! Like <laughs> this is this annoying piece of shit. Oh my! Just <laughs> causing trouble all the time. But you figured it out. Yeah, you're I guess, doing what you want to do. I think it's like people get so cynical about comedy. I get being cynical about the business, about all this stuff. But like, for people to be cynical that you make people laugh for a living, like it's it's the greatest privilege because like I think it's because you know I couldn't laugh for two years. You know, when I had anhedonia mm. and when you can't laugh and you can laugh again, it's like, oh, my God, you don't realize how much you need this in your life. Mm-hmm. So I all I do all day now is how do I make myself laugh? And I, I hope other people agree. And if they don't, you know, it's not it, your problem because your intent was pure. Yeah. And, and but also and like, made you laugh. Also, maybe it's not funny. Just because something is funny to me doesn't mean that they have to find it funny. I don't think that I create universal funny. I let go of the ego. I go, I find this funny. If mm. you don't find it funny, that's also your right because I'm not right and neither are you. Right. Neither of us are right. This is subjective. Right. right. So like letting go of that ego is, is has been the biggest help. See, this is how I put it. It's like I am my favorite comedian. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm the best comedian, but I am my favorite. Mm-hmm. So like I trust myself to know what's funny. And so I... I think that's how I write jokes too. Like I write jokes like I pretend that I'm an audience member watching me and I perform for that person. So I just keep talking until it's like I can your make, empathy exercise. Yeah, and so I just I talk until I can make that person laugh. Mm-hmm. And then then I go back and I just write it back in joke form. That's how I write my jokes. It's, mm-hmm. it's um That's great. I, yeah, cuz I think for a long time I was like how do I make other people laugh? It was like a them thing. Yeah. I was like no, you got to believe in yourself. A lot of it is like just confidence, believing in yourself, believing in your tastes. Deconstructing, deconstructing why you find things funny, mm-hmm. and then just kind of trusting your sense of humor. A lot mm-hmm. of it is trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and self knowledge. Yeah, figuring yourself out. Yeah, and specifically your sense of humor. Yeah, we we know we talked about like how we rewatched the same things over and over again. Yeah, remember like we just clicked. Like it was like it was almost like I said it, and you felt good that someone finally said it. Right. Yeah. Like we, right. I'll, I'll watch The Simpsons. I've watched the same three seasons of The Simpsons. And we both watch Mad Men. Mad Men. Times. A bunch of times. And it's like I said, it's like going to a museum. People go to museums and they see the same things. People think they're cultured. What well, I watch a TV show a bunch and I'm de- deconstructing the meanings and I'm some slob that That's doesn't right. leave the house. That's and I'm right. in- You said you watch Mad Men from different perspectives each time. Oh my God. I can't believe you brought. Okay. Yeah. So this is crazy, right? I watched Mad Men in 2010 and uh, I was like a nice guy or whatever. And I thought Pete Campbell was the hero of the show. <laughs> I thought Pete, I was like, Pete Campbell would say things that like, he'd be like, why don't I deserve everything? I deserve because he was work. asking for it. He like just, he was yeah. urkeling it. He was urkeling it. He's urkeling his job. And then the more that they um, got mad at Pete, the more I saw him as a victim. Wow. Pete Campbell was my my hero when I first watched it. He I saw him as a misunderstood hero. And then every time I re, I'd rewatch it, I would resonate with a different character based on where I was in my life. Mm. And then you know, like I think my next favorite character was Don. And I'm like, oh, Don is like the you know. And then you realize, oh, Don's a jerk too. And he kept going, oh, I'm Peggy now. I think I'm Peggy. Right. And I think the at the end, I was like, I think I'm more Joan. And I think I'm more Joan. Cause to if me, you could pick some, although Joan no. has that horrible <laughs> late season. Yes, she does. 
sexual arrangement. <laughs> yeah, but you know, the thing that I love about Joan is that, you know, she's not trying to be one of the guys. She she is she knows she's a woman and she knows how to be a woman who's That's kicking right. ass. That's right. Or Peggy is like, I'm gonna dominate men by being one of the guys and being better than them. That's right. And so I think that is I don't think either of them are right or wrong. I think that well, based on yeah. What, where I am in my life, I relate to a different person. It shows actually a lot about gender, I think, because Pete Campbell, when he gets married, he, I, he's talking to Peggy and he has that monologue, which is the monologue that I think the whole show is about. Oh, my God. He's cutting the meat off the deer and wiping yeah. the blood on his... He just wants to be a man. Yes, like, I remember And this. I mean that in a very classic way. A man. Yeah. Like in the way it was understood at that time. Yeah. And it's the same thing with he returns the chip and dip and gets a rifle. <laughs> Which, by the way, is uh, I rifles are always going to be phallic symbols of yeah. power. Yeah, which is my whole theory on the movie, yeah. uh, a Christmas story. Um, but the whole movie, he just wants to be this thing that the culture is telling him a man is, and he can't. Yeah, and all I wanted to do was get rid of my rifle. That's so funny. <laughs> you wanted a chip and dip, if I may. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really funny. If you watch we that episode it. in reverse, <laughs> can I have a chip and dip? That's so funny. Yeah, I, I mean that. I, I don't know. Like, I feel like The Simpsons is the same thing. Like, where I, I keep relating to different a different character for the past like thirty years. I've been watching when mm. I was a kid. I loved Bart because you know he's a skateboard. He's a troublemaker. And then I get a little older, and then Homer is my favorite character. And then he's like, because he's the funniest one. And then Lisa, and then college. Lisa became my favorite character. Right. Because she's the liberal and she's like whatever. When I watch now, I'm really into Lisa. Yeah, yeah. But, but now this is completely new. Like the past like two or three months, Bart is now my favorite character again because I'm a troll. And so now I recognize what Bart rascal. does. And so I, I realize a lot of things watching back. It's like Bart and Lisa, they seem opposites, right? One gets Fs, one gets As. But like they're both the same because they're both against the system. Wow. But see, so whenever they are against each other, it makes sense. But when they team up, it makes sense. There's a great scene that really, like, illuminates this. Like, Lisa, Lisa gives, like, a an anti-American speech, and people boo her. Bart is cheering. He doesn't care about America. He just likes that Lisa is going against the system. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And so I think there was a scene, wow. there was a scene that made me realize how funny Bart was, and I never clicked with me. Homer is doing a Mr. Plow commercial. Mm-hmm, that name and again. This is like, yeah, and this is like, like their entire life savings or something. And during the commercial, which only has like one take, Bart says something like, hey, Mr. Plow, did you get like a permit for all this stuff? And he goes, shut up, boy. And the idea that Bart would just sacrifice his, his entire family for a laugh, that is... Did that you is, get uh, a permit for all this? Uh, it's like, that is unfathomably funny to me. Yes. Because that is... that I feel like that's who I am now. And he's also sacrificing the father-son traditional relationship. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's... It's not... Leave but, it to Beaver. He's but, going, did he yeah. get a permit for this? <laughs> but he's also just like, he, like Bart finds the humor in life. Yes. He, he you know, he saw it early on that it's all bullshit. Right. And, 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 right. And Lisa is someone that like believed in it and then is slowly realizing that it's bullshit. Right. But, but, but she's more educated in that. And I, I love that they're both rebels in different ways. That's really, really interesting. Yeah. I, you know, I, Obviously, I'll bring this up. I wrote an episode. I wrote two episodes of The Simpsons, and I chose Lisa. I made them. You Lisa wrote two episodes. episodes of The Simpsons. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's called War and Priests. Part oh my one god! And two, the most recent season, but like, oh, I, wow. it's very. There's even a Mr. Bergstrom reference in it because I love the Mr. Bergstrom. 
episode. my god! Oh yeah, the it was the sign the the note right? Yeah, you are. Le- I watched that episode like last year, like pretty recently. Oh my god! I you were Lisa Simpson. Yeah, I yeah. was. I was in tears. Oh, it's beautiful. There was that scene where like Homer acts like a a baboon mm-hmm. to Lisa. I, there was a line he says to Lisa something like that uh, he, people like him are going to serve people like her one day or something. It was this self-awareness that Homer had that Lisa is going to be something great. Yeah. And that he is not. Yeah. And that made me cry so much. And then, like, uh, Lisa called him a baboon earlier. And then yeah. so he starts acting like a baboon. And she's yeah. giggling. Yeah. Dude, that scene, like, I was like, I, this is the greatest television that I've yeah. ever seen, you know? I agree. A lot of dad stuff going on there, too. Yeah, a lot, of, but not in the baby boomer. Yeah, no like, way. <laughs> yeah, I think not that was in, earned. I think it was yeah, earned. It was like he, an earned. It, yeah, because he asked for forgiveness, and you know he. But we both have a Bart and Elisa. Like I, I was a Bart towards my dad, wanting to kind of tear it down, but also kind of being afraid of my dad. Yeah, but also wanting to be Elisa to achieve my way into my dad or yeah, my mom. That's true. Like I had both going on for sure. I think I was like too much of Elisa when I first came out as transgender, and I was writing feminist blogs. You know, Hilarious. like it's, you know what's funny is um. A lot of comedians are afraid that like an old tweet will come up and they'll be like, oh, I, I was racist and I got to apologize, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm not like that anymore. I'm re- I'm worried about a reverse cancellation where people will find my old feminist blogs and be like, you think you're a roast battler? Did, did you? I'm Robin, did you write an article that says that for reasons that penis size shaming is wrong for feminism? And then there's a line. Did you say that it's wrong to penis shame Hitler? Did you write this in an article? And I'm like, look, I saw I was young. I needed the money. I swear to God, I, I'm edgy. I do roast battle. Can you guys see? Like, <laughs> like it's the a reverse cancellation. That is real. <laughs> you have to do that as a bet. That's really, really and funny. It's, it's funny. I wrote this. I actually did write an article like uh, penis size shaming is is anti-feminist. And the stock photo they use is this poor dude. It's for something else. He has his hands on his head and he looks sad. I'm like, that, that poor guy. That poor guy. Yeah. Thinks yeah. He's sad about his small penis. That's really intense. <laughs> really funny, too. <laughs> But we do. Speaking of Don Draper, when John Hamm had his his pee pee outlined in his pants, remember what was that? You don't. You didn't see that. He was just walking, and you could see the outline of. Oh my god! And, no, I didn't see dong. that. Let and me look he, it up right now. <laughs> I'll be right back. Uh, it's just so funny how dick size is. It's an interesting subject to me. Is all I'm saying. Yeah. When someone who's winning, John Hamm, seems to have a big ding dong. Yeah. We love it. Yeah. We go, I knew he was the right leader for our tribe. <laughs> Look at that dong. And what is a big ding dong other than I, I, I've never done this as a bit, but like most of hip hop is like, I like it raw. I love to fuck. I'm going to fuck everybody. It's basically just an aggressive gene. It's saying like, see me. I'm so big. There's going to be more of me. Yeah. And when there's winners, we want them with big old ding dongs. Yeah. I'm not saying really, but like. Because we want to go like, not only is he a winning gene, he's going to replicate. Like, we're just cells under a microscope. Have it's you ever true. thought about that? Yeah. Like, no, we're I have. just, we are cells under a microscope. Yeah. And the big winning ones that have the most energy, money, talent, whatever the energy might be, whatever the food might be in our system, they yeah. have the most of it. And we're like, well, I hope they make more of them <laughs> because look at all the good they're doing. You know what's really funny? There's like this insult that people do. They're like, Oh, these guys! These guys with big trucks who are bullies—they probably got small dicks. Like that's like the the. Uh, right. It's like actually, I think that they probably have big dicks, and that's why they're so confident that they, they could be assholes. That's right. If you have a small dick, that's why you call him. You call him a dick <laughs> because I have a dick. Like this if guy. he's a big dick, he's got a big dick. Yeah, I do, I, I do a, a joke uh, where I say uh, I have a small dick, and I it used to uh, 
I used to be so ashamed of it as Robert, but now I'm a. I'm hoping if I get the surgery, I'm hoping it'll cost less. That's so uh, it's a half off discount. It's That's a real so hack funny. a dick joke. I do. I There's do all these. Wrong with it. <laughs> you can do a good hack joke. No, but you get it. Hack dick joke. Oh shit. <laughs> Robin, I'm so embarrassed. How, how good is that joke, though? It's, uh, I, it's a hack a dick joke. It never gets the laugh that I wanted to. It's a hack a dick joke. Hack dick joke. I love it, and I need it. And I'm a chick with dick jokes. Is that okay to say on the podcast? Oh my god! <laughs> Should I do a, a whole transgender uh, transgender stand up comedy show called Chick Chicks with Dick Jokes? Also, it brought to mind we both like Eminem. Yes, and Eminem has a lot of jokes about how he has a little dick. He does. He makes like, but that is like what we're talking about <laughs> is like a rage against the machine in this really weird way. Oh, sorry. I'm hitting this thing again. No. Please. Eminem has a song about Mariah Carey. He has this song against Mariah Carey. And his whole diss is, remember how I fucked you and I was terrible at it and you think that I was fat and stuff? Well, that means that we did fuck. <laughs> ah! that was a, that's how you own Mariah Carey? It's like, you you said I was bad at six, which means that we did have sex. Like, that's that's so that is funny. so funny. To well, me. when you watch him in interviews, you see the vulnerable, like kind of wounded. Yeah, and I'm wounded. Yeah. I'm not saying wounded is a bad thing. I'm saying it's where talent often comes from. Yeah, you see, sort of like an awkward. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't think, know if he's I, spectrum. I, I, I but... think I think he's autistic. That's what I was gonna say. I, I'm something... autistic, and I think that I I. I think he has it. If you I, watch him on 60 Minutes, you're going, or Jimmy Kimmel or any of those ones where someone's yeah. talking to him, you're like, of course. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's so brain-specific talent. I wouldn't be surprised. The thing is, is I feel like um, his first few albums were like a cry for help, obviously, and we all thought it was awesome. Like He was like, basically, I'm, I'm gonna, I want to quit. Fuck everybody. You know, like, it's like Eminem is crying to us for help, and then we're all cheering him on. And then, you know, he goes away. He gets better. He makes Not Afraid. We were like, ah, you pussy. What did I do? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, what a mean culture. But I, yeah. but I kind of, you know, I was kind of the same way. I'm like, oh, is he singing now and everything? But so I feel like Eminem, when he was on drugs, it kind of like made him almost more like he was more focused on like uh, trying to come up with songs. And he was angry and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't condone that. But I think now that he's not on uh, drugs anymore and he's just kind of like he has like an autistic need to rhyme everything. Yep. Rhyme everything as quickly as he can. He has this kind of chip on his shoulder about like, I'm, I want to be one of the greatest. It's like Eminem, you are the highest rap selling artist in history. Yeah. He's almost like a cautionary tale for me because I get into these moods where I'm like, I'm not getting the credit I deserve. I'm not, it's like you were just in just for laughs. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like and yeah. Eminem, he just came out with a song in a Nas album where he's like, I'm waiting one day I'll be put in the name of one of the greats. It's like, you're already there. Just he take it. He has a lot of lyrics and, and like he, that. And he just like, every song he does now, it's like, I just want to be like, Eminem, you're really good at rapping. Can you just like come up with a song now? Because every time, every song he has is like this but I determination. It, you but know? did you listen to Kill Shot, right? Yes. And he goes, you gave me an excuse to get angry. Yes. That and song I was like, is great. That's, so when he's not mad at well, he's Machine focused. Gun Kelly, yes. he has to be mad. It's Michael Jordan. Yeah. Pretending that someone slighted him before a game. And Eminem's sort of leaning into, and that reality is always going to exist. Yeah. There's always, like your memes, there's always going to be some people that think you're not funny. <laughs> And he he's going to a smaller and smaller, and then maybe I might be bigger for a time, but then smaller group of people that think he's whack. Yeah, and he focuses on them so he can get angry. Yeah, and be like, but see, it's but yeah, I think I, wow, I think you're right. But yeah, when he was going against Machine Gun Kelly, 
it was such a targeted attack. And I, I was like, that's my favorite Eminem song in a while. Kill you know? shot. Yeah, I, I guess I love I the really one. like it too. I, yeah. Uh, Do you mind saying how old you are? I'm 35. Okay, so I'm 42. I okay. feel like even more for me, a 42, because he's like 40-something. Yeah. And like, it's, it is, it, I'm not a boomer, yeah. but it's my boomer song to be like, yeah, tell that whippersnapper <laughs> that we're still cool. I, it's so lame. The, Tony's the, loud. It's true. The it's line my that, lame song. No, the line that gets me is he just goes, had to wake up Labor Day to this. Like, because, yeah, I remember when That's Machine right. Gun Kelly came out. You know what Labor the worst Day. song, worst line of that song is that I what? can't believe... No one was talking about what, that I saw. What was he goes? Uh, your last four albums suck. Go back to recovery. Recovery was three albums ago. <laughs> Learn your facts, bitch. And it's like, oh no, I think he says he calls him a little goof. You little and the, goof. And that was my, my friend's least favorite line. Is the same one, but he calls him a goof. But like, even if recovery was three albums ago, <laughs> he's just saying go back to recovery. He's not. That's hyper literal. That's yeah, autistic. It is. I agree. Spectrum me. I think to so. be like I'm saying. <laughs> your last th- uh, four albums sucked yeah. that's part a go back to recovery but i'm not saying go back to the album recovery i'm just <laughs> i am making an app but he's going like but wait it, it's like the line that no one in the booth wanted to go like em i don't think he means go back to the album recovery so eminem thinks he thinks that and by the way i'm hyper literal too he thinks that too. machine gun kelly likes the album recovery <laughs> So he's saying, go back to your masterpiece recovery. And he's like, oh, for someone who loves it a lot, he doesn't realize it was three albums ago. And no one in the booth had the, had the courage to be like, M, I, I think you're getting this wrong. I, and they let him lay it down. I think there were a lot of Eminem lines where no one in the booth was telling him. There was a line. There was a, Agree. a song where he goes, um, I went to the doctor's office. I took an AIDS test. The doctor told me to think positive. I'm like, dude, that joke was like 40 years ago. Oh, sure. Common has that line too. He goes, I want to be a doctor, but I don't have the patience. Oh, I'm like, God, common, common. There is a song. Common. Called- <laughs> There's a song called, it's, it's from a song called, but you uh, can do a corny joke in a rap. I'm actually going to give common a pass, but Eminem, goes overboard with the puns there's a song called stepdad this motherfucker who sticks his dick in my mom you're like oh m and then eminem does this thing where it's so it's so cringe <laughs> where he does a pun i didn't even get it he does a pun and then the beat drops for a second yep and he gives them a second or someone to, goes get it to absorb yes or yeah, get it get, get it or oftentimes i need to get it oh, he goes uh I give Bruce Wayne a Valium because I'm ready for Combat Man. Combat Man. Get I didn't get. Man. I didn't get Combat Man until he, he said Calm <laughs> Batman or Combat Man. I'm talking euthanasia, like kids in Taiwan. Oh, okay. I it. mean, <laughs> at a certain point, when you're writing a rhyme and it's like five thousand words, you're just like, I'm leaving it in. You know what I mean? It's like a volume business. Yeah. And I think like of the people that like him, I'm gonna say like sixty five percent are just like putting it on and enjoying a fun song. And then there's like weirdos like us that are like, combat man? <laughs> like really analyzing I, it. But he doesn't, he's going with the majority. The thing is, is that when it comes to like music, like Eminem and Weezer, I, I don't know if their songs are good. I just know that I like them. But I, I don't. I feel I, like that's one of the themes of this episode. I, I hide from people when I listen to, like, if I'm like listening to Eminem and someone walks into the room, I'll, I, it's like I'm watching porn. Do you think I, I've I ever <laughs> put Eminem on in the car with Val? What kind of lunatic am I that I'm like, you want to go for a ride and listen to some Eminem? Yeah. That's that's what it is. It's, it's like, it's like, I smoked weed. I already said this on an episode, but we'll, I'll have said it twice. I smoked weed the other night. 
And I was watching, I don't smoke a lot of weed, and I only say that to say it was novel. I yeah. was watching my brain, I was like, wow, you, the brain is a fucked up neighborhood. Yeah. It's like just a weird place. I'm not saying it's dark or twisted. I'm saying it's everything. Yep. I'm like, wow, there's my beauty, there's my weirdness, there's my sexuality, all my stuff is here. And when you smoke weed, it's, the volume gets turned up on it. Absolutely. And that's the value of Eminem is that he's just like, I'm going to say everything. I'm yep. going gonna to go in my brain and be like, there's me pistol whipping a dog. And you're just <laughs> like, Jesus. But there's something in you that recognizes it. Because yeah. you're like, I don't care how sweet you are. The Dalai Lama or whoever you want to use as your example of purity occasionally goes like, what would it sound like for a human head to get crushed by <laughs> well, uh, by the Hulk's hand? The thing is, the thing is, is that I, you know, I believe in social justice, but I don't believe in like piety. Like I, I think, like being pious is first of all, it's boring. Like mm. I think, like you can be a good person without being pious. You know, like without showing what a good person you are. Mm-hmm. I feel like the problem with a lot of social justice is that like people are are more uh, in a rush to show like they're a good person than to do the right thing. Right, so I that think that is really good. So, you, so you've really rung the bell. So, so like I, I was, I was doing um, more like quote unquote SJW type comedy, and I think it, I, I think it wasn't good because I was trying to like I, I would put myself as like this moral high ground, and that's just not funny. I can still believe in the right things and still say, hey, but I'm a piece of shit. That makes me more relatable. That's why one of my favorite jokes of yours is yeah, where ahead. you go, I just want to be a shitty transgender. Yeah, woman. I just want to be. It's true. I just want the funniest. <laughs> when I saw that, I was like. She's done it. <laughs> like because, that's it. That's well, the angle. The thing is, is that I just I, want to be a shitty I, I also, person. I also want it to be like somebody that, like, if I if like if I were a closeted trans person, what would I want to hear? See that what would, would I need to hear? And so I I kind of filled this hole where it was like, um, I think that uh, someone needed to hear from a lazy transgender person yeah. who just kind of wants to live their life, who does it imperfectly who doesn't really pass, who doesn't care about passing, who kind of just, like, I wanted to lower the pressure of, like, I, you know, I feel like trans women, like, sometimes you'll see one and they're they're wearing, like, a wedding gown to Ralph's and you're like, oh, my God, I feel like I'm not really a woman, so you know? And funny. so, like, and then so, you know, when I, I kind of blew up on TikTok. Got to go to Ralph's. Let's go to David's bridal first. <laughs> what a burden for them, yeah, for, for everybody. everybody. But you're saying? Yeah, but I remember, okay, so I kind of blew up on TikTok over uh, the pandemic. So I had, like, I had a fan base for the first time. And so I get a lot of messages from like closeted trans people who were like, I came out as transgender after I saw you, hmm. like after I saw how you did it. Because I, cause like a lot of people, they'll go on Twitter and they'll read like um, trans people, especially white trans people will like tell you universally how to be trans or what it's like to be trans or how you should think when you're trans. And so if you're closeted and you're reading all this and you go, but I don't think this stuff, does that mean I'm not really trans? And I was here to go, no, there's no right way to do it. You can be a bad person and still be trans. It right. has nothing to do with what a good person you are. It's just your identity. Right. It is what it is. That's right. And so I, and I, I wanted to The gay show... community sort of started getting that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we got more, I mean in media, yeah. like more complexity, yeah. more nuance, more shades. Yeah. And and you're doing that for, for the trans community. And, and I guess also I didn't want to, I feel like being trans is one of the most boring parts about me and it's all people want to hear. So I'll purposely do things that will throw people off. I'll do roast battle. I have been watching professional wrestling for 31 years. Mm-hmm. I know more about professional wrestling than anything else I know in my life combined. Wow. Like, I can do a nine-hour podcast about wrestling right now, and it, and it would make sense. Um, I like Weezer, Eminem, Roast Battle, professional wrestling. Like, 
there's no way to be trans. I, I, I want people to see that. I've said this a million times, like just because you're like you align with most of a political party, why would you co-opt the things that you don't agree with just because <laughs> right. it actually kind of goes back to your family thing. Yeah. And it was a very touching thing you said. It's like it's not a given that the people that share your DNA are going to be your favorite people. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's not yeah. a given that if you're trans or if you're gay or if you're Republican or if you're straight, yeah. that you're going to love all straight Ex- shit. And even as a straight person, just to just to relate, a lot of my comedy is about that. Like I have the bit about like I don't want to have sex every day. Like that, yes, that was remember, imp- that's that's imposed on me. Yeah. So comedy, regardless of all of these identities that yeah. might be interesting to talk about, is about going like, this is what it's like in here. Yeah. And it's way more complicated than the customizable slots that society gave me. Yeah. You know, how could I fit in all, any of those? That's exactly right. You know, and there was a moment I had that recently that was as powerful as me coming out as transgender, but no one cares about it because it's not what you care about in media Mm. this is gonna be very silly i was listening to okay human by weezer Mm -hmm. came out january of this year and it was my favorite weezer album since i was a teenager oh wow i gotta check it out and it's i um i felt like i forgave robert i was like it it made me remember robert because i robert loved weezer Robert was a kind of needy, nice guy, this and that. And then when I was listening to it, I felt like Robert listening to it again. I felt I remembered what it was like to love Weezer as Robert. And then I started going, Robert wasn't that bad of a guy. Hmm. And I started remember like, you know, you are kind of a sweet person. Yeah, you were entitled and stuff and that was bad. But Rivers is a geek. You're a geek. You know, like, why don't you just come out as a geek? Why are you? So I came out as a geek in my mm. brain and that was as powerful as coming out as transgender but you can't make a movie out of that <laughs> this wow. person this person yeah. came out but i i i cried i was like um you know forgiving who you were i think is important you know i i read this article i wrote this article like a long time ago but i i don't like using the term dead name because i i felt like it forced me to hate who i was before i hated robert he, he's dead and after a while i'm like yeah robin's Robert's not dead. I am Robert. I am Robin. And I, the way I see it is like, you know, Robert came out as Robin. Robert was so brave that Robert went, you know what? Throw your whole life away to be Robin. Like, how brave was that dude? That's right. how I That's how I Robert see it. Robert sacrificed. Robert sacrificed yeah. to become Robin. And to just say, like, that person didn't exist is to erase the work that he did to become me. Yeah, they dove on a grenade, that, like, yes. ultimate act of self-sacrifice yeah. and, bravery. And I didn't, like... um it's funny, people think that I have, like, a plan or, like, when I came out as transgender, I didn't know if my girlfriend was going to leave me. I didn't know if my mom and dad were going to talk to me again. Mm. I didn't know if I, my comedy career was going to take off or, or go away. All I knew was that in that moment, I couldn't live with myself if I didn't come out as who I really am. Mm. And so, like, I think that supersedes everything. And so, like, um, one of my favorite things about myself is that I can't help myself, which is, is something that... Is going to be both a detriment and a success for me. So, for instance, you know, the Joe Rogan stuff on Instagram and Twitter, people are like, oh, you're clout chasing, you're this and that. Like, every day I'm worried that someone's going to call me on the phone and go, you got to cut out the Rogan shit. No one told me to do this. Like, in fact, everyone would advise me against it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just do things that I think is funny, that I think is cool for me. And if people don't like it, 
then I could either say, I don't care, or I could say sorry. I could decide, because, you know, sometimes you do things and people get mad and you do feel bad for it, but sometimes people get mad and you don't have to get defensive. You can just go, oh, you have a right to be mad at me. You don't, you have to like me. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry that we don't agree, but, you know, so I kind of just do, I do what feels right. Mm. And that's how I live my life. Right. It's beautiful. I don't ask for permission to how to live my own life unless I'm hurting somebody. Right. Then please hold me accountable. Right. 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 Yeah. And, and Robert set that precedent in a, in a strange way too. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's this one gesture that set a trend of like, look, no more fake shit. No more fake shit. Yeah. <laughs> that's really Isn't beautiful. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It's really beautiful. Well, we're almost at the end here and we always talk about the meaning of life. There's lots of ways to talk about it. Have you ever seen a ghost? Oh, wait, are we, are we recording? I didn't know. <laughs> I, I thought we were, I was like, when are we recording? I said a lot of things about my dad that he... <laughs> You're talking about the meaning, sorry, you're talking about the meaning of life? Well, I know you mentioned Buddhist temple, mm-hmm. so you were raised uh, Buddhist? Yeah, but then, like, my my parents got, like, I got too lazy to go, my dad got too lazy to go, so I, I learned that laziness was my religion more than going to temple. <laughs> Meditating is so close to relaxing. It is, though. yeah, I, I do. I close my I close my eyes a lot. And do you have any framework? Not necessarily a religion, but do you have any sense of what's going on here? Because if we could, like, this is weird. Like what you mean? Life reality is weird. It's weird that anything exists. I I, I agree. It's and weird that you're there and that I'm here and that here, we're going somewhere. Here's how I I perceive it. Like you know. Um, before I got medicated for my bipolar, I would say 95 to 99% of my life was spent thinking about existential stuff, you mm-hmm. know, which is what's the meaning of life? Am I doing the right thing? Am I a good person? Am I doing enough? Am I, you know, there was it all took these... me so long to figure out that existential is existence, existential, like yeah. pertaining to questions of existence. Yeah. And so I, I would say I spend maybe one minute a month doing that now i i don't think about it at all anymore yeah i used to think about it nonstop, and then people go well maybe you thought about it enough yeah i i have yeah. and, and i really it never helped yeah and so you know i got medicated and so people ask me like so what do you think about now it's like that 95 percent has been filled with just jokes like yeah. i i haven't stopped writing jokes um since i got medicated i've been writing i've been writing jokes nonstop for a year and a half i can't stop my whole brain now is just jokes what i've done is i've leaned into i'm I'm autistic. I've just leaned into it instead of feeling ashamed about it. You know what? I will listen to the same Eminem song 60 times. Who am I hurting really? Yeah. I used to feel so bad about myself. Like, you know, normal people listen to a song once and then they check right. out a new band. Right. Normal people watch new shows. It's like, well, you, you know, well, you're cut not... to me watching Mad Men for the sixth <laughs> yeah. time. And it's like, but that, who are you hurting? And also yeah. you're getting something out of it and you are special because you're different, you know? And, to really embrace that, like, I don't, you know, I think about, like, God and all that stuff. Like, the way I see God is, like, whether God exists or not, to me, like, we as human beings are not smart enough to even know what that means. Like, so, to me, it's irrelevant. It's like it's a question that's bigger than us. And since you can't really figure it out, like, don't waste your whole life trying to figure it out. Well, we say that all the time. It's it's either Kabir or Rumi. I always confuse them. Forgive me, guys. But uh, you're in an apple orchard. Don't waste time wondering who planted the orchard. Just eat some apples. That's yeah. a heavy paraphrase. That's great. No, I love that. That's yeah. great. And that's how I feel like it's like people are so hard on themselves, you know? And it's like, you know what? Life is going to suck no matter what. 
So just you should just be nice to yourself. It's very Buddhist. Like it's like because like like people think that I think <laughs> life incredibly is, Buddhist. People think that I think life is great. I've been called a cynical optimist. It is kind of like what I I I can tell you in detail for an hour right now why life sucks, why capitalism sucks, why society sucks, and I and I a hundred percent believe all those things. I also believe that life itself is a gift. Like I think that existence itself is a gift because why didn't I kill myself? Right. So like every, all the evidence in my life was like, you should kill yourself. Your brain goes, you should kill yourself. Society, you should kill yourself. And I didn't know why didn't I kill my, you know, that kind of like drove me crazy for so long. Mm. I had this, like, I have this optimism that I tried to kill and I couldn't kill it. And it drove me crazy and I hated myself for it. And now I realize that that's the thing that kept me alive. Mm. Now that, that optimism I have is also bad sometimes because I'm constantly disappointed I'm constantly feel stupid. I constantly feel naive. Like I'll give you an example. When the pandemic first started, it was the Friday of, and my girlfriend and I are walking downtown. Everything is shut down. There's no cars. My girlfriend looks at me. She goes, "This is going to leave a scar in this country." And I said, "It'll be over by Easter." I was like, "Trump, I was like, it's going to be over in because I'm optimistic, you know." You do a, so a that... jump shot with a toilet paper roll. <laughs> but yeah, so I think it's like that optimism. I love and I hate it, but it, it, I'm glad I have it because it kept yeah. me alive. And he, Val said this to me yesterday. We 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 go through long periods where we go no deep thoughts. We just take breaks. Yeah. But every once in a while, we'll talk about. Well, most of the time, we talk about deep things. And she was talking about how fear is love too, because fear is just trying to keep you alive. Yeah, it's, it's true. Similar to the, it's like don't do that. Something will get you. Yeah. What's gonna happen? It's like when you just listen to the, the pitch of the voice in your head, it, it's just scary and jarring. But what's behind anxiety I, and what's behind fear is like, let's keep this thing safe. I really want to talk about fear for a second. I don't Go know ahead. if we're running out. Because this is why people ask me, like, um, like you know, I post so much absurd shit. I post so many things that, like, might get me in trouble. And I've been asked, like, how are you not afraid to do that? I'm like, are you kidding me? I am afraid. All, all I am is afraid. I'm mm. afraid all the time. And all I did was... I stopped trying to find a cure for fear and I just started learning how to cope with it. And what I really did was I stopped being afraid of feeling fear. That's it. And so once you stop being afraid of feeling fear and, and you just realize that fear is a thing that you feel sometimes and then you can just kind of turn it into excitement or you can like let the fear go, I'm really afraid right now so my body's going to shut down. I'm going to want to uh, barf. I'm going to want to be whatever. So just let your body do that. Don't judge it. Yeah. You know what? I mean? you, you will survive this fear and so I, I think it's like knowing that you will be okay whether or not you're scared and that the worst thing that can happen, you'll still be okay after that. That's right. And if the thing that happens is you die, well, then you're dead and you don't have to experience the pain anymore. So, in another sense, you're okay. And so like what, whatever you do to – like worrying to me is like – it's called magical thinking. It's like a superstition where if I stop, if I stop worrying, everything bad will happen. Can I tell right. you, like, Just for Laughs is, is an example of this, You right? think you warded off by thinking obsessively about so, it. So, yeah. Just for Laughs was the first time in my life where I was nervous because I knew I was going to do well. Mm. Every other time in my life, I'm like, I'm going to bomb. I knew I was going to do well, and I'm like, you're going to do well, and then your life is going to change drastically because of it, and it's going to be really scary. So, like, my first thought was like, you self-sabotage this thing. You, you got to, like, this is going to be too much. But I knew I was going to do well, and then I did do well. So, it wasn't like this... It it proves that like staying insecure as like a safety net doesn't actually work. That's right. You can be confident. You can accept love. Nothing bad will happen. You will just feel really icky for a while. You'll feel gross. You'll feel afraid. You'll feel like 
I don't deserve this and whatever. Just let yourself feel those things. It doesn't yeah. mean they're true. Yeah. And then just move on and just kind of move on. Fear with is part of it. I just wrote that down last night. I was like, fear is part of it. Like you said, taking mushrooms. You know how when yeah. you take mushrooms, you're like, boy, it would be great to not be afraid. And then yeah. whenever I'm on mushrooms, I'm like, fear is sort of the kindling yeah. that lights the fire that makes the fun. Yes. Like if you weren't a little afraid of the experience, you wouldn't have a good time. And that's true of life. I think that fear, <laughs> I think that fear and excitement are like, I've heard they're like in the same family. Yeah. It's just the way you perceive them. Well, it's, excitement is fear without excitement is fear with breath. Fear oh, is yes. excitement without breath. Yeah. You know? So yeah. It's just existential King. Just for laughs. I remember I, I was so, I was so snappy when I got in. And it's because I was afraid of feeling excited about it. So yeah. I was trying to talk my way out of it. And I started mm. getting like, mm. I don't want to do this because whatever. Yeah. And then someone was like, you're just nervous. Didn't you almost not go or something? Like you, just for a second you thought about I, I, to, to, In my brain, I'm like, what if I cancel? And then I'll be like the uh, the hero that didn't go or something. Yeah. You know, like yeah. just in my brain. Yeah. And then someone had to be like, you're just nervous. And I'm like, I'm not nervous. How do you say I'm nervous? Yeah. Like, you're nervous because it might go well. And then I'm like. And then I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just nervous and afraid. Then since I let myself feel that thing, then I was able to be excited about it and mm-hmm. like let myself get excited. Mm-hmm. It's really, a, it's really um, scary to let yourself be excited about something because you're afraid you'll feel stupid if it goes wrong. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, I learned over time, like, well, if you're not excited, then you didn't get to enjoy it at all. So, like, what did that really get you anyway? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. You'll still be disappointed if you think that it's going to go if it's gonna, you think it's gonna go bad, and then it go, does go bad. You're not gonna be like, "Well, I knew that was gonna happen." You're still gonna be bummed out. Yeah, that's right. So just let yourself. That's right. You let yourself feel stupid. Who cares? That's right. Just live your life. That's what uh, uh, Jed Apatow, when we were working together, he would say that I'd be like excited about um, the second season getting picked up, like, th- but it hadn't been picked up. Yeah. It was like, be excited. Because yep. even then, even if it isn't, at least you got to be excited. You got, at least you got. That's that's how I'm living my life now. Yeah, that's clear. And by the way, this is the last three weeks have been like. This is the greatest three weeks of my entire life. This like, podcast, I, I, yeah, this podcast. <laughs> like, and it, it is the climax was this podcast. Um, uh, I thought this podcast was the three weeks. Yeah, it was. It was like it's been like. Uh, um, it's funny because I, I'm not surprised that it happened. But I'm surprised at how it feels, you know, mm. because I think like I learned at the wellness center, you're always going to be surprised at how something feels because until you feel it, you're not going to know what it feels like. Mm-hmm. And that blew my mind because you always try to prepare yourself for how it's going to feel. Mm-hmm. So people ask me, like, are you surprised? It's like, well, I mean, part of me always knew I was going to make it because mm. if, if I didn't know that I would have quit. And I, I, I always want to tell my friends, it's like, you're afraid that you know you're good enough for this. You're mm. afraid to accept it. Yeah. And I get it. You get you got to get, get over uh, that hurdle, you know? Nelson Mandela, I believe our greatest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our greatest fear is that we're powerful beyond that's, measure. That's me. I got goosebumps. That's yeah. that, that, I stole it from him, actually. Yeah. I'm actually going to steal that quote and say that it's mine. <laughs> yeah. No, that's hilarious. <laughs> and I actually believe I did some deep Googling on that quote once that he didn't write that, but I'm not positive Robin Tran it. wrote it. I actually just changed it this morning. Ah, ma'am, <laughs> killing it. And Nelson, I waited for my Nelson ma'am. Mamdella. Oh my shit! <laughs> Nell daughter Mamdella. <laughs> Nell daughter Mamdella. Is that the name of the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> People are going to listen to me and go like, when are they going to say this Nelson Mandela line? <laughs> Nelson daughter. Nell daughter. I'm sorry. Please, yeah. please respect. Nelson would be stupid. Respect the reef. The reef. 
<laughs> well, let's get. This was awesome. I it love was really it. Fun, yeah. I went off coffee today for the first time. I'm I'm just trying to take a couple of days off. Oh, oh a, thanks for experimenting that. Like with me as your first <laughs> I know, hilarious. But it's it. I I've been so with you and loving it. So please don't think that that. No, was, I'm kidding. And if I if I was really not with you, I would have gone and had one. But I'm like, it's starting to feel weird in my head. So let's wrap. Yeah, let's wrap. Yeah, because I, yeah, I'd go crazy too. Well, one more question. Um, and you were wonderful. What do yeah. you got? What do you got? Wait, what do you mean? What do you I got? Went... Oh, you said one more question. I was going to say I haven't gotten the surgery yet. I was going to. Oh my stupid... god, you devil! <laughs> you devil! I still have it. Oh my god! <laughs> that was god. the one I was going to do. <laughs> What's your one? That, the day this episode comes out, hashtag I still have it trends. <laughs> Why is that trending? Um. I know <laughs> I was going <laughs> to fall for shame to ask such a personal question <laughs> at the end after all this love. <laughs> I was going to say, what's the hardest time you've laughed in your life? The time you've laughed in your life the hardest. I would say uh, <laughs> Anchorman, the Baxter getting kicked off the bridge. That's right. We talked That's about this. That's the hardest I ever laughed in my life. It, well, now this is happening. It'll never. <laughs> <laughs> it'll not, it, we talked about this at Largo. I, I laughed so hard. Like. I watched it in the theater. I watched the matinee up, uh, theater. Like it was, so it was me and my two friends. And like, you know, in the day there was like no one in the theater. Sure. He kicks the dog off the bridge. I had to get out of my chair. I fell in the aisle way. Yeah. I, it was so funny. You David I, Blaine magic. It did. broke my brain. Yeah. It was so funny. Like I was in tears and I was like laughing. I would say another time, like I would say the second biggest laugh was in Simpsons <laughs> was it was a uh, Bob Newhart was at Krusty the Clown's funeral. Yeah. You remember this? And then yeah. like, he didn't want to give the speech, and he and he's giving the speech, and you you could tell he did never watched Krusty, yeah, and that's funny already, yeah. And then it cuts to Homer, and he's wiping a tear away, <laughs> and and I was like, that that is the funniest one second of, I was like, dude, I was in tears, like like because like in your brain you're like, why are you cr- what made you cry? That reminds me of another great Simpsons what one where uh, I believe it's Rod is pl- Rod Flanders is playing the violin. It cuts to Flanders weeping in the crowd, and he's going, "My son, my son!" And Homer goes, "Come on, Flanders, he's not that bad." <laughs> it's one of my favorite <laughs> Simpsons jokes. <laughs> Crying in the crowd—it's so brave, first of all, but also it's so funny. Love these answers. And have you ever seen a ghost? We'll just squeeze that in. Uh, Most no, people haven't, so I'm not expecting. I, I have it, but I think people in my my family have. I don't. I think I believe in ghosts as much as I believe in God, which is I don't know. It's like an, I'm an agnostic with supernatural stuff. Sure, in general. fair, fair, yeah. fair. Well, I love it, Robin. Thank you so much. You were lovely. Oh, one one more thing. I have no, seen, no. We're I have done. seen. We're I have, done. I have seen the ghost of Robert. We're done. I'm just kidding. That's so funny. <laughs> right, I was 100 JK saying like, no, no, we're done, we're done. And you were like, I have seen a ghost of Robert. <laughs> of Robert. <laughs> oh my gosh, that thing you said about uh, honoring. I feel that way about relationships. By the way, like I don't have to hate my ex-wife. I don't. Yes. Have to hate this person that's I how did. i see it it's like honor them they yep. took you through something like it's you don't i feel like in this culture we have to be like like dead name yeah. i i didn't even i didn't even know dead name was a thing until we had talked at largo yeah so i'm not st- taking a stand against that i'm just like our past a lot of things in our past i feel like we're cultured to be like fuck that shit that's <laughs> over <laughs> yeah even yeah. college it's like honor yeah. it that shaped us it's yeah. okay no, it's that's, okay that's, that's how i feel about it yeah. it's beautiful thanks man. uh would you say keep it crispy it's just how we end C- keep it crispy i love it <laughs> <laughs> i'm so crispy my ice